1: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
2: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first
1: purchase.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At blue nile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting.
2: Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the movies of 1999 from our purchase here in 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iscove. And today we have a special guest to discuss a special movie. It's, <laughs>
3: it's special with a wink. I think it's, it's a special. I think it's a great movie.
2: I actually think specials is the right adjective for this movie because it is a special movie. It's a. It's an unusual movie um, an for this filmmaker. It's also an unusual movie for the world. And um, our guest, who yes. we'd like to introduce up front, is Simon Ennis. Simon Ennis is a writer-director. He is uh, an old friend of my co-host, Phil Iscove. Very old friend. Um, and
3: how old of a friendship is this?
0: Uh, Nin- last
3: year of high school, so...
0: 98. Yeah, 98. Basically, almost in September, it'll be... 20, 20 years. years. Can, That's terrifying.
2: Can Jesus. I ask you guys something? How do you meet in the last year of high school? Did one of you move to the high school?
3: Simon, can explain that for you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, basically, I transferred high schools in the last year of high school because Northern Secondary School, where we met, had a semester program. So I In could, Canada, because in Toronto, we don't Ontario. have
2: secondary schools here, but go ahead.
0: So, uh, so yeah, it had a <laughs> semester program. So, basically, if I transferred to this school, I could get out half a year early. Half a year early so, oh, okay. Yeah.
3: So, you transferred to that school. Did you go to film school together? We did. Yep. All right. That's cool. Although, I will say that the semester we had off, we accomplished so much in that <laughs> time. Like, it's it's insane that, first of all, you would give 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds yeah, half a year off for no good reason, and it, we accomplished very little. We saw a lot of movies together, though, which was
0: great. Well, you were basically prepping for this podcast, and that's I was true. helping <laughs> you. So yeah, this is true. We don't
2: officially have the second semester of senior year off here, but everybody takes it off. Oh um, really? Well, no. It's it's it, no one does anything because everyone's gone gotten oh, into college that. already. So it's a similar so kind of. Everyone's your checked grades out. fall to shit. Everybody. Oh, I didn't know that. That
3: makes sense. Then I guess. We'll yeah, that. Your, that your grades fall to shit. Yeah. Like
2: you don't care anymore. Basically, you're trying to like not flunk out. You want to pass your remaining uh-huh. four or five classes and have as much fun. And uh, it, I mean, truly, the best four or five it months was a, of my life. Uh, it was uh, outside I mean, I of the watch. last ten years with my wife and. No, But Outside of the yeah, the last ten wonderful, perfect, flawless is listening to
3: the straight story. The straight story.
2: (laughs) This is the last episode she will be listening to,
3: uh, I think. Um, But if she is, uh, he loves you, and these years have been wonderful. He does love her. Go ahead. You know what I mean. Second. Uh, So um, that's where Simon and I met in high school. We saw a lot of movies together. We went to Ryerson together. You left Ryerson.
0: I dropped out <laughs> numerous times. Yeah, <laughs> Several times. Kept letting you back in. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, he's not I mean, serious this time. It's
3: Canada. Of course they let you back sure. in. That's really nice of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I can honestly say that Simon is one of the people that sort of opened my eyes to several filmmakers that going into film school or even just going into our last year of high school – uh, I didn't appreciate or understand, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. I think that uh, the two filmmakers in particular, I would say, are Kubrick and Lynch. And obviously we'll be talking about So the about best about two. Potentially the best two. Well. Um, I think, that, I think that, that, and we talked about this a little bit in a previous podcast, I think actually the first one, the Eyes Wide Shut one, where I talked about how there was just a lot of filmmakers that I didn't grow up watching. The type of films I was exposed to when I was a kid were a lot more... Spielbergian, a lot more sort of accessible, big kind of studio movies. And Simon was the type of person who was always sort of, and continues to be a person who thinks outside the box, and sort of Mm -hmm. watches things, I think... That I wasn't exposed to. Or did didn't did, did we argue
0: about Kubrick? I know. I know we definitely argued about David Lynch, and we sure argued about Steven Spielberg. But I don't. <laughs> I don't remember so much arguing about Kubrick. I don't know if we ever argued about Kubrick because I
3: hadn't seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. So I didn't have necessarily the leg to stand on that I would have got into on Lynch because, like, Lynch, my, you, you were not in. I would assume you were not into Lynch for mm-hmm. a period of time. I the only exposure I had to Lynch, truthfully, was Twin Peaks, which I watched with Jan Katask, of course. Uh, he watched it before I did. He was really big into it. And I remember we binged it. And you did, that- but you did love it, right? I love Twin Peaks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we binged it because the, the, do you remember the VHS set of oh, all I those sure tapes? Do. Which I'm
0: sure you burned holes <laughs> in yeah, how many yeah. times you watched them. I, You know what? I don't think I ever had it because I actually had it taped off of TV. I, TV I watched from when Twin Peaks when, when I was nine years old. Sure. Which is, as any good child should. Yeah, tried, exactly. <laughs> which is probably the reason that, that I was thinking outside the box. As, right, as sure. As you said, as far which as filmmakers I th- I mean, go. And,
3: and I think that, I remember watching it with Jan because he had seen it before and he owned the box set and he kind of made us all watch it. A group of friends, we all watched it together mm-hmm. and I loved it. Um, but then I tried to watch other Lynch movies and I was just like, I don't get this. Cause like Twin Peaks, as far as the oeuvre of David Lynch is probably the most accessible thing up until, up the, until straight the straight story. story, story well, I, I, <laughs> we'll talk about that because I, like on one hand,
2: obviously the straight story is the most accessible, but on another hand, like, it's not the most enjoyable, and there is something wow. about some of his movies. Look, I, I we have to define it. In, you know, enjoyment. I I, do, I, I enjoy watching Blue Velvet more than almost any movie that's ever been made, and I, not from a not from a like I'm, I'm sitting movie. there laughing and having fun, but I am so in that movie, inside of that movie, I n- it never loses my focus for one second. So there, I would say that I'd say, Mom
1: and well drive, drive is very similar yeah. to that. I and love that like you are yeah.
2: inside of that movie yeah. and uh, I feel a distance, but I don't want to talk about this yet. I want to keep okay. asking Simon questions. Yeah, please go for it. Um, The question I was going to ask is why do you think as a kid, you were more apt to think outside of the box? And I assume it's not just simply because you watched twin peaks as a nine year old.
0: Well, I mean, I guess I, I was always obsessed with movies when I was a really little kid and uh, both my parents worked in, uh, in film and I was exposed to a lot of classic films since I was a really, really small kid. Like growing up, You know, my comfort movies were Marx Brothers movies, like the 1940s Sherlock Holmes movies with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to watch when I was like seven, eight, nine. And basically what made me want to be a filmmaker and understand that there was a thing called a director was literally when I was nine years old, uh, my dad and a friend of his were taping the show Twin Peaks came on Thursday at 9 p.m. I was really annoyed because I wanted to watch whatever was on TV. Maybe it was Cheers or something like that. And another great, another great shoot. Oh, no, and no, one of Simon's favorites. I, I would yeah. happily do another podcast about. Just a uh, I would Just do that. a podcast like live you know, commentary every on, yeah, on every sure. single episode of Cheers. It is, it is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. But, no, it was long gone by 99. But um, I don't know if it was long gone by 99. Anyway, continue. I'm going to look oh, up Oh, no, 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 It was, uh, I believe it was like 93 or 94. Um. Anyway. It was so, 93. Good call. So my so my dad and his friend were taping the show, Twin Peaks, and I was so annoyed that they were taping it, but I was obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. And about three episodes in, my dad and his friend said like, oh, Simon, maybe you should just watch this. It's a mystery. You love mysteries. Hmm. And as soon as Twin Peaks started, as soon as, um, well, I guess they find Laura Palmer's body and then Agent Cooper's mm-hmm. going into, driving into the town. And it just completely captured my imagination. Sure. And- you know, I, as a kid, you think of movies as the actors who are in the movies, but I I could tell that this thing was different. And I wondered why did it feel so weird? Why, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't know style or mood, but that's what I was responding to. So I asked like, why is this so different? And it was explained to me, well, it's because there's a creator, a director who's making this and his name is David Lynch. And (laughs) at nine years old, I was like, you know,
3: who the fuck is that guy? But this, no, no, yeah. I was like,
0: this is it. This is yeah. amazing. There's a guy that does that, that creates this sure. world, makes this, you know, dream. Like, yeah. I, w- I want to do that. I want right. to, like, create, you know, I want to create these daydreams.
3: Sure, sure, sure. So it was a
0: very, like, kind of seminal thing for me. So by the time The Straight Story came out, sure. you know, I was, I had already gone through, I mean, having a Twin Peaks obsession when you're nine years old is, is, is pretty weird. <laughs> I didn't really relate yeah. to other kids like that, right. you know?
2: Yeah. Right. I didn't watch Twin Peaks until, uh, I was an older person. I didn't, I mean, I remember where I watched it. So it was in my Mm -hmm. last apartment since I had been with Laura. So within the last 10 years. Sure. And I, you know, you had to buy like a VHS of the pilot. You couldn't get the pilot anywhere. So I bought that on, on eBay and then you can get the rest from, from uh, Netflix at the time. But yeah. Um, so I, but, but yeah, for years, the only Lynch I had really watched were blue velvet. Yeah. Um Mulholland Drive, Elephant Man. And I think that's it. And then I watched Razorhead as an older person, which I uh, fucking despise. But
3: um, – <laughs> I, I mean, I will say that for me, when I did start to like do a deep dive into Lynch's stuff, I think I probably started with Blue Velvet. I can't yeah. be 100% sure, but that feels like the entry point for most people. I
0: remember you definitely liking it, actually. Yes. Like, it, yes. like for you I, – and I remember having this conversation because basically you could – Boil down our tastes in 1999 to uh-huh. David Lynch and Steven Spielberg, both of yeah. whom meant different things then than they do now. Sure. Um, but yeah, I believe like Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet and Nothing Else was your Yeah, that was sort of my vibe. entry point into yeah. it. And then I did start
3: to watch his other movies. Um, and the one that I actually still quite like and made a real impression on me was Wild at Heart. Yeah. Oh, Wild at Heart too. Yeah. Which is one of those movies that I, Remember watching that opening when Nicolas Cage like basically like bludgeons that guy to death on the stairs? Yeah, he bashes his bashes head, his head on his... and then he starts like singing Elvis and po- or saying he like points to Lula I think at some point and he's got yeah. like this It was just like what the fuck is this? Like it's just that movie just grabs you by the throat. Um and the with, whole with Wizard- that,
0: that like speed
3: metal band Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just I was like this is fucking crazy and that movie kind of, and the Wizard of Oz imagery and all, like, it, it had a narrative that I could actually kind of hold on to. Like, yeah. I think that that movie's actually surprisingly
0: straight line, kind of, in terms of, like, Lynch's stuff. Well, funnily enough, talking about the straight story, it's like, these are his two road movies.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're, and they're yeah. both
0: exploring America <laughs> they're very different in different ways. Way. I mean, well, you could kind it's of say, like, like, one is the light, one is the dark side of, yeah. of, of America. Well,
3: I think that, and sort of to tap into what you were just saying about kind of letting yourself um, be enveloped by a Lynch movie. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think that... That's right, yeah. And I was talking to you about this last night, that one of the reasons that I didn't get Lynch for a very long time was because I was tied to logic. Like, I was trying so hard to logic out his movies, which Mm -hmm. people still do. I mean, there are still numerous blog posts about Mulholland Drive and trying to figure it out, which I actually don't think is all that hard to figure out. But that being said... I couldn't let go of like narrative and story. And then when I finally was like, Oh, his movies are a feeling. They're not necessarily a story. Like they are a story and he is telling you some sort of a story, but it's a, it's a feeling and it's just allowing them to kind of wash over you. And then last night, as, cause Simon is staying at my place. So we watched the straight story together last night and I was like, the thing about the straight story that hit me so hard was how open hearted it is. Like how good natured it is. Mm-hmm. It's like Lynch is using all of his powers for good rather than evil. <laughs> so this you know would be I mean? my first criticism of the straight story. Sure.
2: Do you think the straight story works divorced from the rest of Lynch's oeuvre? Because it works most to me as as the light to the dark, right? Yeah. Because you know, I think about the, I think about Elephant Man because I think those are the, that's the closest thing he's ever done to this kind of tonally and kind of in well, like, yeah, the Elephant Man's a, yeah. that's a,
3: that's a true story too,
2: right? And yeah, the Elephant yeah. Man is also about you know, this isn't straight story is not so much about an outsider, but it's about a person who needs help from people, right? It and it does a,
3: feel like a bit of a rebel though in his own yeah. weird way,
2: and it, well, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's about a person who needs help from people, and it's about a person who uh, it's. It, Open Man in some ways is it's, it's about how ugly people can be, but it's also about how there are very there are also people who are wonderful. Yes, sure. And this movie is like kind of explicitly about like wonderful there's a lot people. of good there's
3: a lot of good in the world. Yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah.
2: So it's it's most interesting to me as a Lynch movie, and the reason I don't think I'm totally bought into the movie is because I don't find it particularly interesting as a movie. Right. I think if you if you take them if you if you take the a film by David Lynch and the particular Lynchian aspects of it, which are the reason I actually think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, the score is unreal. Right? The yeah. score is unbelievable. Yeah. The The performances are really great. They're very Lynchian. They remind me of Beautifully filmed. It's beautifully filmed. Yeah. And, um, and also, the, the humanity of it um, is unexpected. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really do like a lot of it, but- it's not that big of a leap from the version other people would have made. And the story to me is not that exciting. So that's my, and I, I, my I two mean, line take and we can
3: get more into it. I, I think that it's, I mean, it's not an exciting movie, but I think it's also a very deliberately paced movie. I think it's a movie that is very deliberately made in terms of the, I mean, I think it was Sissy Spacek who said it's like, it's a road movie going five miles an hour or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that yeah. it's very sort of specifically paced. Um, And I I don't know, I think the episodic nature of it does, Lynch does something with these episodes that makes them feel so unquestionably him. And I mean, and Simon can speak probably better, definitely better to this than I can, but, um, there's a a heartbreaking nature to this movie that I don't think he's ever explored to this depth before. I don't know if you would agree with me or
0: not, but no, well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a really deep melancholy that, is somewhat present in some of his other movies. I mean, there's definitely like heartache and longing in a lot of Twin Peaks. Uh, sure, in sure. in the Elephant Man. I mean, there's kind of moments of it, but in this case, it's there's no evil in this movie. There's evil in most of his other movies, but there is a huge amount of regret, and there's a huge amount of longing, yeah. and there's a huge amount of sweetness. Yeah. So it's missing those super dark elements that are in a lot of his other movies, but it does still have. A dynamic range between yeah. those two things. Also, I'd say that and it's funny. I hadn't watched this movie, this Lynch movie, in a few years. It's probably I probably watched all of the rest of them in the last five years or so. And I mean, I have seen the movie numerous times beforehand, but it had been a while since mm-hmm. uh, uh, since I'd seen it before we watched it last night. And I gotta say, like it, re- like every I, I don't think you could remove Lynch from the film. Like, Nor do I think, I think, I think you should. Yeah.
2: Like, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think it's important to, to view any film through the context of, excuse me, through its context is really what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, we always talk about the context in which the yeah. film was developed, developed, and, and, and happened. released yeah. and all that stuff, because I think it's important. And frankly, I think it's fun. Yeah. I course. think it's a fun way to look at film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, if you showed this to anybody, any random person who didn't yeah. know that it was a Lynch film or didn't know Lynch's other films, I'm not sure it
3: would captivate them. So you think the and, specialness of this movie is the fact that it stands out so much in Lynch's filmography? I've, yeah, I've used this comparison before, and it's, it's,
2: I, or this analogy before, um, but I, I, think it, I, think it, I think it's salient. I always really liked the game. I think I've said this to you before. The but Fincher movie. The Fincher movie.
3: Yeah.
2: And one of the great part, and the reason I think the, the game is so cool, is because coming off of, it was Seven, and coming off of- um, seven, seven. It was Seven. Seven, in the, and he had done- I And mean, he did Fight Club after the game. But he did something before it. Um, he did Alien, Alien 3. 3. yeah. So coming off of those two movies, Fincher has set himself up as a guy who delivers a really sad ending a really shitty ending and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop the yeah. whole movie yeah. and he delivers the mega happy ending I think there, there's some of that in this sort movie of,
3: depending on your interpretation of the game but yes I, I mean I understand well what it is it. a mega happy ending I mean At the end of the game unless if you believe that the game is over oh okay I believe the game is
2: over <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I,
0: I don't think it was really left all that hanging I never thought it's the game wasn't me, over but. but regardless okay somewhere we're all still watching the movie I
2: think yeah, I know oh. So I think I think the game is over, but that's not that's That's not the point. But I know your interpretation. (laughs) I think you're waiting for the other shoe to drop with a straight story, and it never does. And that's cool. And I think that's cool. And 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 actually, I like that. I like playing with your expectations and never giving you that. Like he has a heart attack, or you know,
3: Lyle dies, or anything like that. Think that that this. I mean, and I said I think I might have said this to you last night as well. But so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. But uh, it's a deceptively simple movie. I mean, I really believe that. I think that this movie has oceans of commentary on the human condition and a number of things. I mean, I think that the movie opens with stars. It ends with stars. It's. A, I think there's a lot of commentary on just sort of what does it all mean? It's a very existential movie. For sure. I think that it's, uh, you know, to me, I think that if there's any evil in this movie, and I certainly probably wouldn't contextualize it this way, but it's the fact that, that
0: we have to die someday. Like that that this road comes to a, to a close at some point. Um, and it's the evil yeah. that we do to ourselves and the way that we can hurt the Absolutely. the people that we love and the time we can waste. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would, the one, the one word I totally agree with you, but the one word I'd also add is I think that it's definitely one of his most spiritual movies. Actually, he always says that a racer head is like his spiritual. Movie. Yeah. And I, and I, I can buy that. And I'm, 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 sure. I'm there for that. This one I think is actually really, really, really close. And yeah. even with the beginning and ending with stars and, and, and also, I mean, One thing that really struck me last night that I don't think I'd ever really noticed uh, anytime I'd seen it before is that a lot of this movie kind of tells you is that the most like loving human thing that, you know, two people can do is to just sort of sit quietly and watch something, be it a rainstorm, be it, you know, usually kind of a natural occurrence. And it. Builds to that, and we, we, we learn that really early on with him and his daughter watching the lightning storm, mm-hmm. and we hear his memory of sleeping out under the stars yeah. with Lyle, and then at the end, when they're together on the porch, like, they basically don't have to talk, they are, yeah. just have to be together, and it's like, it's, it's, it's absolutely lovely. That final
3: scene is so beautiful. Like, I think that, and, and again, and we, we will say this many, many times as we, or at least I certainly will. This is a beautiful movie and he, Lynch doesn't necessarily make beautiful movies, like movies that are really gorgeous and, and, and lovingly made in a sort of <laughs> not sort of terrifying. And there's like, there's this nightmarish quality that hangs
0: always in a David Lynch film to my, in my Opinion. Totally, I would say that they are all beautiful and lovingly made, but this does not have the nightmarish. Quality right, it, sorry, for sure. I, I, I don't. I don't mean to suggest that the other movies. Yeah, he makes but, his, but he I know it's, it's, an a- it's, love. it's an I
2: atmospheric
3: just, thing. Yeah, this. It that, just. It's. It just. It's a very warm movie, and he doesn't make warm movies. Yeah. There's but, moments of warmth in all of his movies, but like this is basically credits to credits of just like the world's a beautiful place.
0: Yeah, Fun- funnily enough, actually, Kenny, the point you made before uh, about it. You know, it being interesting or not, you know, in the context of the rest of his uh, his films, I, I read today when I was kind of doing a little bit of research that apparently David Lynch was at a test screening of the film and overheard an old lady uh, sitting there when his name came on the credits saying, oh, I didn't realize there were two directors named David Lynch. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, like, was, I mean, that's, that's like, like The, the
2: two, uh, what is it? <laughs> two Paul Andersons? Yeah. Paul W.S.
0: Anderson. Yeah. Paul W.S. Paul, yeah.
2: Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. I mean, but that Which is, one do you think Armin White loves? W.S. You know, Anderson. he's
3: crazy about him. I know. He thinks he's like the genius. Ridiculous. He's amazing. I mean, I think that, um, let's just give a little context now just to the movie. Yeah, in terms for of gen- sure. In terms of like, uh, first, I'm, I'm actually going to give the synopsis first. I usually do the other kind, con- but I think just so people know what the movie is about, because mm-hmm. I'm not sure that- that many people have seen yeah, the Straight yeah, Story. For sure. Uh, a retired farmer and widower in his 70s, Alvin Strait, played by Richard Farnsworth, learns one day that his distant brother, Lyle, played by Harry Dean Stanton, has suffered a stroke and may not recover. Alvin is determined to make things right with Lyle while he still can, but his brother lives in Wisconsin while Alvin is stuck in Iowa with no car and no driver's license. Uh, then he hits the road, sorry, then he hits on the idea of making the trip on his old lawnmower, thus beginning a picturesque and at times deeply spiritual odyssey. Um, so the straight story opened on, uh, October 15th, 1999. Can I say
2: on- one more thing about that? Absolutely.
3: Um, this is based on a true story. It is, Sorry, and this yeah.
2: isn't one of those true stories that like you'd never heard of. This yeah. was in the news at the time.
3: This was kind Did of. You a, see the picture of the brothers? Have you? Yeah, seen what they look yeah. Like? They're they're significantly amazing. less actorly than the two <laughs>
2: who were. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They look. Good. I don't know. Yeah. I thought. I mean, you know, those guys have faces. <laughs> yeah. Farnsworth and Stanton have like oh those are, those guys have faces. It's true. But it's true, these guys barely. The yeah. real guy barely even has faces. Yeah. But you know,
3: yeah.
2: Um, it was a real. It was a real big. Kind of like human interest story at the time. I mean, it is. It's like, it's this fascinating little thing that happened that, uh, you know, the media really got excited about. So when you heard, and it must have been three or four years later that David Lynch was doing this, to be honest with you, it seemed like an elaborate joke. And I'm not saying it seemed like an elaborate joke that it was never going to happen, but it seemed like David Lynch was almost trying to punk audiences, like, like, and, and he—he's not really the—he's not a—he's not not humanistic. His films are humanistic. Yeah. But this is so unusual and weird. And I mean, I do like, remember
3: when it was announced that he was doing it. And I guarantee that Simon and I talked about it at the time. But I just remember thinking, like, huh? I mean, okay. Like, he, I just didn't get it. Is he fucking with us? That's
0: just how yeah. it felt. We'll, we'll talk. I mean, the biggest, craziest, like, what the fuck's going on? Joke was. Disney releasing yeah, a David that, Lynch yes. movie, <laughs> yes. sure. a David Lynch movie rated G, yeah, yeah. like that, which, which well, that almost won the Palme D'Or at at Cannes, like like just <laughs> kind of mind blowing, <laughs> yeah, but it's but pretty crazy.
3: That that seems like the joke. I mean, that seems like. The thing that must
2: have tickled David Lynch so much—the so the first card sure. is a Walt, Di- Walt Disney presents,
3: yeah. Yeah. and the a second card is a David Lynch film, <laughs> a film yeah. by David Lynch, yeah. or a film by yeah. David Lynch. Um, in you know, I it, I also think that's a testament, to be perfectly honest with you, about Disney a little bit too in 1999. Yeah, you know, trying to find itself in sort of it's it had a real heyday in the early 90s. It was starting to lose steam. It wasn't really sure. It didn't have the same sort of. It's not Disney that we have today. The point I'm trying to make is that Disney today. I find it unlikely that this would be a movie that they would pick up and that they would release is the point I'm trying to make. I, I, I just don't think that brand wise, they would be getting in bed in that situation. And I commend them for doing it. It's in It's such a unicorn though. It's a, it's a
2: unit. And I, 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 these are things I really like about this movie, but it's a unicorn in that, um, you know, th- I think Disney was able to look at this and say, this is the same kind of movie as Fly Away Home right? This is the same. like I We can market movie. it the same way. We can, yeah. you know, we, we can we put it next to it. On, or even sure. like, it's not similar to this at all, but like another live action Disney movie that, that had Disney on it and not mm-hmm. Buena Vista or Touchstone or sure. whatever was, uh, Cool Runnings. Sure. You know, a hu- <laughs> like a human, a real life human interest story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's a feel good movie. Yeah. And I think that they could present it that way. But well, they tried to do that. relative of a double bill that would make. <laughs> yeah. Right. I watched that. Mm, within the last two weeks. Holds um, up? Doesn't hold up? Oh, that movie's fantastic. <laughs> 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 I, mean, I, watch it my, I watch it with my kids, and, and that movie is Yeah, really I'm sure the Winter Olympics. Tremendous yeah, sure. movie. Uh,
3: the last movie I think that Disney tried to do that with was Million
0: Dollar Arm, that John Hamm movie. Yeah, it's another yeah. kind that of- That movie feels like, like the type, yeah. same type of thing that they- God, but if David way, Lynch made a baseball movie, that would, that would be, just it'd be the th- greatest thing that that that's ever happened to me. me. To. I, would be, I would be so happy. It's less, I'd
2: watch the shit out of it. It's David <laughs> less crazy,
0: movie. the idea of David Lynch doing
2: Million Dollar Arm, than David Lynch doing this movie.
3: So. <laughs> yeah. so, Straight Story opens October 15th, 1999, went on to gross a little over $6 million, and actually is Lynch's sixth most successful film at the box office, which I think says something about, and Simon and I talked about this a little bit in terms sixth? of... Sixth? Yeah. What's one? Uh, I believe it's elephant man actually. Okay. Um, but let me confirm that. Um, what's interesting and, and Simon and I discussed this a little bit last night is his movies don't make a lot of money, but they make a real impact on the zeitgeist. Even a movie like Lost Highway, which was a movie that didn't do particularly well, and for all intents and purposes, critics didn't love in its moment. No. People no. have come around to that movie. Well, sort of. I mean,
0: th- that's, see, that's what's really interesting about the context of this movie is, is you're, you know, talking about where Disney was then. Think about where David Lynch w- was then. Now he's been completely like, he's beloved, basically. Yeah. Like yeah. His, his image has been totally rehabilitated. When we were in high school, like, if you liked David Lynch, you were the weird kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Blue Velvet. Sure, that was a big one. Twin Peaks was big, but basically, he he, he was not really liked, and he'd come off of two basically failures right like like twin peaks firewalk with me was, right. booed yeah. right, 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 was yeah. a huge failure it's been totally reclaimed now and yeah. and you know now any any sort of critical piece about it in mm-hmm. the post twin peaks like return world is like yeah. yeah we got it wrong it's yeah. actually amazing yeah. lost highway also was mm-hmm. thought of as a failure yeah. so it, right lost now,
2: highway was uh famously uh, marketed with the two thumbs down. Yeah. You know, the first, I mean, yeah. like I, the only movie that I could think did that also was a uh, bride of Chucky, yeah.
3: which makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. You know, cause well, they're not going for those people. But that's but- also, and this is sort of, this was always kind of, it seemed like something that Ebert was proud of, which was that Ebert shit on every one of Lynch's films. This was the first Except positive for review. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he loved Mulholland Drive, weirdly. Yeah. So like it it's it's interesting. This feels like kind of the, the fulcrum point This for, set, for Yeah, Lynch this in a lot set the
0: scene for the rehabilitation yes. that then really happened with Mulholland Drive. That's true. And yeah. then you add another ten years and, and you know, Inland Empire was just kind of there, but like yeah. you had another ten years of nineties nostalgia coming back and more people sure. watching Twin Peaks and, and now, now Get a Peaks now good, he's you know. just beloved now he's the beloved transcendental yeah. meditation grandpa of surrealism that yeah. like that, it's that, it is you know. very
3: interesting you know um you were asking about like what his most successful film was earlier kenny i mean dune is his number one most successful film which oh. was also a, a box office disappointment M- a movie that you can't really call success right but- so he's got dune he's got elephant man and then wild at heart actually those are his top three most successful films and they
0: all made less than 40 million dollars Wild at Heart more than Mulholland Drive. I never would have thought that.
3: Mulholland Drive only made 7.2 million. Uh, Wild at Heart made 14.5. Wild at Heart was actually, I think, a surprisingly successful film. And I think part of it came out of can. It won the the Palme d'Or. Won the Palme d'Or, which at that time meant something. Now you win the Palme d'Or and it it doesn't even give you a box office (laughs) bounce. David Lynch's last feature film
2: was Inland Empire. Correct. Yeah. So he really hadn't done anything for the last 10 years until Correct. the showtime
0: proselytizing re- tm and making a few like techno albums well
2: he i mean and i had no idea videos. he makes yeah. un, uh, an unbelievable amount of, sh- of shorts and i do remember yeah. actually this lady blue shanghai that was for like some kind of car company or, or something like that Yep, i guess he was doing stuff like that it was
0: yeah, yeah. making Married a lot of art videos. i mean he's having
3: it. art shows but he's been he
0: yeah. has that charity you know he has the the tm charity that he's been sort uh, of talking about a lot yeah
3: so uh, so The Straight Story, to give just a little bit of a taste of some of its development, uh, Ray Stark, the prolific producer of films such as uh, The Way We Were and Steel Magnolias, had acquired Straight Story as a potential star vehicle for Paul Newman. Uh, and it wasn't until February 1998 when Straight, having passed away in 1996, that the rights to the property became available again, and Mary Sweeney was able to get them. And she quickly jumped on them. I think she had been wa- – she had sort of been watching this guy's story for a while uh, in the hopes of eventually getting it. She did. Uh, And then, uh, and then she wrote it with, uh, why am I drawing a
0: blank on the other writer's name? John
2: Roach,
3: I think.
0: Has he done anything else? No. So basically, uh, you know, Mary Sweeney was David Lynch's partner um, and and eventual wife and edited his movies uh, for years. And I I actually just rewatched, I think I'd seen it before. I just watched a uh, old Charlie Rose interview for, with David Lynch. Mm -hmm. It came out right after, they're, they're talking about the straight story. And I guess the, this Roach guy was like her childhood friend, but she was okay. obsessed with this story when it was in the New York Times and had followed it okay. quite a lot and was dying to make it. And when she finally got the, the rights, mm-hmm. she basically wrote it with him very quickly. Like, she, I think she wrote it in early 98 and they shot it like six months wow. later. So it was a very quick development process.
3: Which makes sense. Uh, it's, it's also interesting, um, the other men that were offered or actors that were offered the role of Alvin, uh, James Coburn, John
0: Hurt, Jack Lemon, and Gregory Peck all great movies in in alternate realities all <laughs> right? of them would be oh, those are
2: that's for Ex- sure except action. the
0: John, Jack Lemon version
3: but i mean the Jack
2: Lemon version that's the sad sack version you don't want, it, to, see the, the you don't want to see the Jack Lemon version and i was going <laughs> to no, bring that up be. because not <laughs> jack i was going to bring that up because um one of the best parts of this movie yeah best features of this movie is the dignity it gives to an old man absolutely and since grumpy old men um old men Mm. Old women, a lot of old characters mm-hmm. have been treated like clowns. You yeah, had like space cowboys, space cowboys. <laughs> you had, yeah, you had you had all those. <laughs> Space Cowboys, you had the one that, that came out. Are you
0: guys going to do that? Oh, I, God. Ho- I hope so.
2: We would skip that if
3: it was 99. That's not true. No,
2: there was Space Cowboys, and then there was another one with Morgan Freeman, and then there was The Bucket List, and then he was in the one last year with Michael Kamer. They robbed the oh, bank. 2000. was so close. Barely missed Cowboys. it. Well, maybe it was still released in like France in <laughs> Um And then, you know, I mean, then you have the rapping granny and wedding singer. Yeah, and no, it, the, it devolves pretty quickly. Yeah, so, and yeah. very few movies not only, you know, use... Uh, Old people not as punchlines or yeah. as like why, you know, why sages who die, uh-huh. um, but they give them a dignity. I, I can't think of many other movies that actually give old people dignity. They're not just plot devices. So,
3: well, well to be fair, that does that is a little bit of a hallmark of Lynch's. Like, I do feel like he is a guy who, when old people appear in his movies, they appear in a way that is, except for Mulholland Drive, they are not Mulholland Drive. Yeah. But I feel like. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's sort of a, a – not just a dignity, but a, a love that he sort of – I actually think he loves all of his characters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, some, sometimes uh, sometimes they can be sort of funny, although those are usually kind of like, you know, small right. characters. They're like, you know, the mayor of Twin Peaks who is like, you right. know – Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. or, or the, you know, can be like old and deaf and stuff. But for the most part, yeah um, – Funnily enough, a movie that that now this one made me think of that does that uh, and really, really, you know, goes deep on the the dignity of an of an elderly protagonist it was Harry Dean Stanton's final movie, Lucky, that came out last mm-hmm. year. The David Lynch is in, um, and there were that um, when I saw it, I didn't think of the straight story. But seeing the straight story yesterday, I, there were, there were actually a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of crossover. One, yeah. Aside from, of course, Harry Dean Stanton and David Lynch, who were sure who were involved in both. Um, I think it's interesting that Chris Farley was apparently going to be in this movie. Um, you know, the brothers
3: are those both are in is yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I got to say though, thinking about it now, not a shock that Chris Farley is a big David Lynch fan or was a big David Lynch fan. Like, Who that's, was he going to be? I'm assuming it was going to be the scene with those people, with his brothers, right? Is what I'm assuming. He was going to be one of the brothers. I actually, you, you read I this. I didn't, I didn't know I don't know, know, know. I don't know what, what it, he was supposed to play. That's, I don't think that's true. What? That Chris Farley was going to be in this movie he did, because he died. No, it says, but passed away before the movie could, before he could get the chance. I th- but I think he passed away well before he. He could died get the in '97. The film shot in '98.
2: Oh, all right, sure. Um, anyway, but point, I do point think is that, his that is brothers an are in scene. it, and,
3: and, and it is an interesting.
2: But, scene. What, but the, the the most interesting about part about it is the speech that Farnsworth yes. delivers. Yeah. is about the importance of brothers. I know and don't lose your brother and take care of your brother that's and sad. you don't get another brother to yeah. these two guys who've lost their brother. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, the, the, kind of the, the meta
3: commentary
0: there. Commentary. Says, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's actually one, that's one of the most affecting parts to me, but there's a, well, I mean, I mean yeah.
0: every, every, every person that he meets along the way is some aspect of that stuff. I mean, the thing with the, the teenage sort of runaway girl, yeah. it's about the importance of family. The thing about, you know, you know, when he's, he's sharing his, Uh, you know, war story with the other veteran. That's about regret and the the things that you can't, that you have to live with the bad things that you've done, which, you know, things you can't shake or unsee, which which is basically, you know, what he has to do, you know, with his brother. That's, that's something he has to get over that he's done. And it even starts early on. Like, this is a movie that I think in a very simple way, it teaches you how to watch it and tells you what it's doing right from the get-go and is actually very sophisticated in it. Even, like, you know, early on, he falls. That's the inciting mm-hmm. incident. He goes to the doctor. And the doctor, I wrote down this line when we were watching it yesterday. The doctor says to him, if you don't make some changes quickly, there are going to be some serious consequences. Then the whole movie is him yeah. making these changes, making the most important change, which is going and making things right with, with his, his brother. brother. Yeah. And, and and even and as far as teaching how to watch the movie, like, the beginning is these three or four, you know, long, slow helicopter shots of the beautiful plains of Iowa Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever, these dissolves that are kind of going there. And so it's all about sitting in beautiful America, the passage Mm -hmm. of time, the natural world, and a slow pace. Well, it's interesting, too, that you
3: mentioned the the helicopter shots. He doesn't really use helicopter shots very much in his movies, which I think is also interesting. I mean, I think that there's something very... um, I mean, not to get to whatever, but it is very heavenly. This, like, looking down on this, on you know what I mean? This this perspective of these beautiful sort of sprawling uh, uh, landscapes. It's it's kind of, I mean, it's sort of a travelogue, which is not really David Lynch's bag either. Um, but he really makes you fall in love with the country, too, just by these beautiful shots and, and really kind of, I don't know. I mean, that that to me is part of the allure of this movie is that it really kind of lulls you into a, into a state of just, I don't know. I find it very calming for what it's worth. But, um, so just to go back real quick, Farnsworth didn't want to do the movie. He saw Blue Velvet and was like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to, I don't want to do this movie. Uh, and he was like too much sex violence and swearing. And Lynch obviously eventually convinced him otherwise and said that, that, that was not what this movie was going to be. Um, Richard Farnsworth was terminally, terminally ill with, uh, metastasized prostate cancer uh during the shooting of the film which had spread to his bones and caused the paralysis of his legs as shown in the film he actually took on the role out of admiration for alvin straight and astonished his coworkers with his tenacity during production in farnsworth unfortunately committed suicide the following year at the age of 80 um short being, being nominated for an oscar for best actor uh the oldest person ever nominated for best actor
2: do you know um you know what his career was before an actor stunt man do you know what one of the movies he was he what he did particularly was
0: uh, ride horses in movies, which I love. He okay. was in the rodeo even before he was a stunt
2: man. He was in the rodeo before. Do you know one of the movies he was in? It was you. You, you kind of mentioned it. You didn't mention it explicitly, but you mentioned it as as you you mentioned the the biblical the 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 guys who make this movie.
0: Oh, I uh, no, I'm not sure.
2: He was in Day at the Races. Really? Wow. Yeah, he did the stunts in that. Did the stunts in Gunga Din, which is my
0: father's favorite. Oh, really? Movie. Yeah, yeah. I know he worked with Demille, Ford, Howard Hawks, yeah. Henry Hathaway, Raoul Walsh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's he was amazing. in the reason I said biblical is he was in Ten Commandments, which is I
3: think the movie he did with. Uh, he, was yeah. Yeah. he was in Ten Commandments. He was in. It's not biblical, but it feels like
2: it. Spartacus. <laughs> he was in Gone with the Wind. He was. He, it's, it's it's incredible. He really he really had an incredible first career before he kind of had a second career. And you know that this was his second nomination. What was his first for? Uh, his first was for a movie called Comes a Horseman. Oh. It was uh this best. best he was nominated actor? for best supporting actor in what we called *Comes oh. a Horseman* in '79, um, and then he was nominated in the Golden Globes for what we call *The Grey Fox*.
0: Yeah, which is one of the best Canadian films of all time. Actually, it was made. I don't think I've ever seen that. This makes amazing. sense that I've never
2: heard of it. It, it was made um, in 1982.
0: <laughs> it's about this. It's about this like gentleman bank robber getting out of jail really? when he's in his fifties. It's kind of like a if if Butch Cassidy or the Sundance Kid were caught, went to jail, and then came out as, like, a 60-year-old, and what yeah. are they going to do with their lives and falling back into bank robbing? And, I mean, he was old in that movie. That was yeah. 1982. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I
3: would also say not to, like, we don't need to do a, a whole Oscars thing. I, I think I would have given it to him of those nominees. You know, I think that Russell Crowe's amazing in The Insider, and I get why Kevin Spacey obviously won for, for American Beauty. Do you remember um, the other two, by any chance? Uh, Denzel Washington for The Hurricane and then I can't tell you what the fifth one was. Yeah, I'll try to think of it.
0: Um, but So all of them, except for Kevin Spacey, were playing were playing actual people. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't make that connection. I don't know what the fifth one was, I'll but it's, it on, it's on the tip of my tongue. I, I just feel like this performance is, first of all, it feels like he went into this knowing it was going to be the last movie he was ever going to make. Um, it seems like a safe bet. <laughs> um, and it, and it just, the, the wisdom and the, and the sort of the life lived that this, that Farnsworth, you know, is able to exude in this movie is just so beautiful. And, and just to hear what we just talked about, the filmmakers, that the, the films that he saw, that he was a part of, the, you know, this tremendous life that he lived. You want um, the fifth yeah, one? Yeah, what's the fifth one? Sean Penn. or Sweet and Low
0: Dan which I believe is also a real person, right? It, no. no. He I, talks
3: a lot about Django Reinhardt.
0: Yeah, I, think, I think that's kind of like an amalgam of like yeah. a few different no, no. Movies, Or it's just like pulling stories from a few He's like early jazz guitars.
3: I'm, I, that's going to be an interesting one to talk
2: about. You want to come back, Simon? You want to come back for Sweet Lowdown? Yeah. I, lo- I really like Sweet We're going to need I, I all I the help we get with that yeah, one. Yeah, I can
0: imagine. <laughs> yeah.
2: But we oh, got so many of those coming up.
3: We got a bunch. We got so many. We got a bunch. Problematic movies coming up. But I will say that- Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really hindsight being what it is. I just, I wish the guy had won. It would have been just such a fucking cherry on top of a a tremendous career.
0: Something that that's amazing to think about with the whole movie. But, but I think actually, especially with Barnesworth's performance, especially because, you know, he wasn't a trained actor. So, you know, David Lynch says, uh, that, you know, he, he he never considered himself an actor maybe because he didn't study or anything, but, but the guy can make it real from deep down inside and it's a beautiful thing to watch. The movie was shot completely sequentially. Yes, mm-hmm. so you're watching him literally go through this. Yeah. Like you know, they would shoot a bit drive, shoot a bit drive. They actually kind of made this journey, yeah. and every day he would be kind of living with this new scene. So, he, like even in the way that they were making, he was building towards seeing you know seeing Lyle at mm-hmm. the end. As
2: a, as a filmmaker, have you ever done that? Do you
0: want to do that? Do you, do you? I mean, I think. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't done it myself. And it does seem like a luxury. I, you know what? I don't know if it even is a luxury. I think that there is something like. Okay, so I I remember hearing this about Donald Sutherland. He insists <laughs> that his first scene that he shoots in a movie is somewhere in the middle because he doesn't you know, you don't necessarily find the character when you first start shooting something. Uh, so if you shoot the beginning of a movie, like, that's a real big gamble, because that's the first uh, thing anybody's going to see. That's interesting. You probably want to maybe shoot something that, where you can just kind of test the waters, maybe something that's not that mm-hmm. important until you kind of feel the vibe and feel the tone. Sure. So I probably wouldn't want to do that, mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, but w- but with this, with this movie, I mean, I, I think that they – had to do it because of Farnsworth. I think I, like, sure. David Lynch talks about this actually being- His most experimental movie. most experimental movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because of that and because yeah. aside from Farnsworth and Sissy Spacek, of course, and a few other people, yeah. it's mostly populated by like kind of either non-actors or sort of pseudo-professional actors in mm-hmm. and among the towns that they filmed yeah. in. It's the only other movie that I know of off the top of my head that shot
3: chronologically was E.T. and I think that, that was for the kids.
2: E.T., oh. Huh.
0: Yeah, um, I, I
3: know one
2: Weirdly, uh-huh. uh, A Beautiful Mind was shot sequentially. That's weird, which is yeah, which is <laughs> okay. super weird. It seems yeah. like it's because you said it's a luxury. It seems like some guy, yeah, Ron Howard or Russell Crowe. Well, I think more Ron Howard. It's not necessarily that Ron Howard or Russell Cole wanted to. I don't know how, who wanted to, but you ha- it, in order to make a movie like that, which yeah. definitely didn't need it, yeah, you weren't working with amateurs, you were working with people who've done this before. Yeah, I'm I am sure he it. wanted to. Yeah. And he cashed in all his chips, because I'm sure it, cost, it, it costs it so double more money to do, to do it. Do it. Yeah. Especially when you do it like that. It's not as if yeah. they were in one location, and then yeah. they moved to another. This movie makes perfect sense to do sequentially, because sure. they literally were filming across the same trail- The same route that same he went. The same route yeah. that yeah. he went, of yeah. I'm not saying of course, but it makes yeah. perfect sense to just move the company along with the film.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, think with, I think with E.T., which was, I mean, relatively small in terms of its, like, w- location-wise, it takes place in, you know, relatively, I mean, or at least it seems... It's pretty, uh, pretty much proximity. in one house. It seems that way. And for the kids, he just felt it was necessary that they have a straight line and that they were, they were growing along, and, uh, along the path of, of, uh, of E.T.'s journey. Um, I, I, think think it's, that, I think that's secretly one of the most impressive things actors do. Yeah, is I that do. They, the ability to jump through the timeline yes. and not yeah, I agree with you. I don't 100%. think people I don't think laymen understand yeah, jumping that jumping around like that and understand
2: how incredibly difficult it is sure. to shoot a scene near the end, near the beginning of the yeah.
3: production. Yeah. But it happens literally in every movie. Um Except I think it, there's this, there's a there's an interesting quote that I found of Lynch who um who's also obviously credited as the film sound designer as he always is. Um he said, uh, in the editing room, I cried like mad when I chose the pieces of music for the scenes. The emotions returned. And every time I watched the film, I've got a lump in my throat. I don't tend to cry easily, but this, this story touches a sore point in me, mm. um, which I think is also really interesting. Like, it, it, I've seen Lynch in interviews. I've obviously read lots of stuff from him. And he seems like a genuinely very sweet man. Yeah. Um, he does not seem like his movies at all. Uh, so... It's just interesting, first of all, that he makes the movies he makes, which is definitely tapping into some sort of a darkness that exists within this man. But then this movie hitting him so hard, I just think that, like, he's just a big softy. Like, it's just, it's really, I just think it's lovely. You you can relate that, what you just said, to
2: Eraserhead. And I hate the experience of watching Eraserhead. I think it's one of the worst experiences a person can have. (laughs) But... A Razorhead is about fatherhood. It is. And a Razorhead is about how fucking hard it is and how unexpectedly hard it is yeah. to have to care for this essentially an alien. I have an eight-month-old.
3: Yeah. Who Congratulations. Is an, who, who, is, who is wonderful. His third child.
2: My third child. But you forget, my first two are almost six, so they're they're twins. That's how they got to be the
3: same you age. You should watch Eraserhead with your kids, see how well. that goes. <laughs> oh, and, you know, I just,
2: I just got the gabash yesterday that, uh, that, that I can't show them vampire movies anymore. So. Anymore? <laughs> well, I'm not watching, I'm not watching like, I'm not watching like Nosferatu with them. Okay. But, um, they were watching some movie, it's a Canadian thing oh. called, uh, all of a sudden you're so interesting. It's called My Babysitter's a Vampire. I'm not interested anymore. It's not good. But, um, okay. my son is super scared. But the point is. Yes. Um, looking back at Razorhead, I haven't watched it since I'm a father. And... Uh, you haven't it, watched a Razorhead since you no, are a father. No, but sorry. it does, okay. my memories of it at least, weirdly approximate what that feels like. To have your life completely upended by this mm-hmm. child. Sure. Now, the other shit I'll never understand, I don't understand what, like the turkey becomes alive, or things like that.
0: But, um... <laughs> never had an awkward family dinner? But, with in-laws? <laughs> 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 you're, you're selling me on a racer <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing about it. that's. The, I think
2: that's 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 the point. Is if you take away all that stuff, yeah. it's really about how hard it is to be married and then to be a parent. Um, sure, and and I, I find that very in its own weird way very sweet, right? I find it very sweet that he even cared to dissect this thing that's usually three men and a baby. People having, you know, it's just yeah. poop smells. Yeah. Um, no, it's really fucking hard, but you don't give up.
3: Well, I think that, and you were telling me, Simon, I think around the time of Mulholland Drive about how, how Lynch directs his actors with the, like, like, I, I, again, forgive me. I don't know if I'm quoting you correctly or incorrectly, but like with, uh, Laura Herring's character in, uh, he would talk about how, like, she's a kitty cat and you're like, he, he, he. He directs them in terms of, like, sounds and, like, animals, and he, like, anthropomorphizes the performance, which I think is really interesting. I, I
0: don't know if I was necessarily the one that said that. The, the sounds definitely – like, you, uh, you you know, in interviews with, like, Kyle MacLachlan or or sure. Laura Dern or anybody, it's I, – I, I know that they – a bunch of them have said that you know more wind is a big direction that he gives. So what sounds and stuff like like that. Why? Well, what does I, more I can, wind I mean? So, I, I can sort of I can sort of imagine that <laughs> a little bit. Like in the context, I mean, just think of think of think of Blue Velvet. Think of like you know right. Laura Dern like coming out of the darkness, like walking right. in a certain way. I mean, I, 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 think, I think I know I think how you could I would put play it into, that, I guess. Yeah. I, I think if you could put it into other words, right. you would put it into other words. Right.
3: Uh, I think he's – th- the reason I bring this up is because I do think that, that he obviously sees the world differently than everybody else does. And I think that underneath all of the sort of like oddities or weirdness that is David Lynch, I think are very human stories that are incredibly weirdly sweet. Like I think that
0: well it's all about feel and all about yes, emotion. So I yeah. think that what you're talking about Kenny is like the capturing the feeling yeah. of mm-hmm. fatherhood or you know you could you could assign that to to mm-hmm. all kinds of different feelings in all kinds of his different movies. But I actually think that 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 feeling is the absolute you know when when you get to the root of what he does it's about creating and being in and understanding a feeling. And that's why mm-hmm. the plot doesn't necessarily matter as much to him. Yeah. So
2: I would not I would uh, I don't think that's necessarily like the truth that the plot doesn't matter to him. Like I've read a quote, not for this in the, in the past where David Lynch says, I don't care if it doesn't make sense to you because it makes sense to me. Right. All of my movies make sense to me is what he's saying essentially. And that internal logic for the, of course they make sense to him. He's not throwing shit against the wall. Right. He's found a way to go from A to B to C to D that makes him satisfied. And, and I think that's kind of the fun of figuring out a David Lynch movie is, so what is this unifying idea or mm-hmm. what is this unifying string that runs through it? I right. mean, uh, particularly in a movie like and Drive, like w- what is going on here right. that he sees that I don't yet see that I can see upon
3: repeat viewing or, you know. But I also think that he doesn't, I mean, again, I'm speculating, but just based on his interviews, I don't think he's all that interested in you trying to solve his movies. I think he's interested, or or maybe he's interested in what you take away from his movies, which I'm sure he finds fascinating in its own way. But I don't, I. it, it almost feels like he's just, he's trying to elicit an emotion. And I don't necessarily think he, Cares one way or the other if that's the emotion that he correlated with the scene that he just directed. totally yeah. Totally. I, I think I
0: think you're both completely right, and I think actually when Phil says or I agree that like the plot doesn't matter. It's it's not actually that like you know the plot the story can just be whatever because who cares because it's about the feeling. It's it's not that yeah. Um, I think it's exactly what what you were saying, Kenny. Uh, and the one thing that I would add to it though is I think when people kind of get in trouble is is when you when they talk about something like Mulholland Drive. And think that it's like, well, this is a symbol for that. And that's a symbol for that. Right. And it's all just a little bit of right. like a kind of trick like a that you can, yeah, yeah, like just a puzzle that you can, like a crossword puzzle that you right. can solve and has an answer where it's it's kind of something more abstract than that. And it is more about feeling and it is more about yeah. about being in the world and experience. Which is why I think this film, which which is going out of its way to
3: welcome you into its arms in a way that I don't feel like... His other movies do. Like his other movies are. Welcome to this nightmare, and if hopefully you want to stick around for this ride, this movie is just sort of really trying to 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 embrace you in a way that is. You know. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say is, and I don't mean this in
2: a bad way. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, I don't think he thinks about the audience when he makes his movies. Um. And I again, like you know, there are people like, for instance, we're going to do Sixth Sense at some point. We are. I think he thinks about his audience. Deeply. I think... He, oh, clearly, too much, clearly, clearly, in many of his movies, too much. That's, yeah, that's, that's sure. exactly right. Where he goes astray yeah. is where he probably sits there and says, this will really fuck with their minds. This will really fuck with their minds.
3: Yeah, that's uh, not what Lynch is thinking.
2: No, I think Lynch is thinking, this is what's in my head, yeah. and this is what it's going to look like. Yes. And I know what's going on here. Yes.
3: Here it is.
0: I totally. think that's kind of the end yeah, of it. Totally.
3: Well, and I... Yes. No, that, 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 that makes total sense to me. And, and the beauty of, like the Lynch thing and the reaction
2: to him is that people have embraced his movies for what they are. You know, I I think they're fun to, I think they're interesting to talk about, but I like that there is no and never will be a definitive answer for any of this, the way there is in an M. and my Shyamalan movie. Well, I mean, I think it's a little
3: closer to the game, right? Where you never know, (laughs) but (laughs) is the game over? Here's what, I mean, I think that it. I've often thought that, that, Lynch, in a lot of ways, can kind of be kind of be encapsulated in the fact that he won't put chapters on his DVDs or Blu-rays. Yeah, is that is that every DVD? Yeah, everything of his. I I I I thought it was just this. Refuses to have chapters. Oh, good for him. Um, Which I think is again part of like sit down and watch the whole fucking thing or don't sit down and watch it, or I'm not going to make it easy for you to break this into pieces.
0: Well, the, the funny thing with the new twin peaks is he was saying like, you could, you know, it'd be good if you watched any of the episodes in any, in in In, any order. order. I I, I always thought, I always thought it would be good. that (laughs) It would make just as much sense. Well, yeah. Or, or if his movies, you could, you know, either watch from beginning to the end, or if you kind of clicked on chapters there were chapters, but they were kind of played in shuffle. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be a kind of fun. Sure, look well, that's things. that's yeah. It would
2: be like looking at a painting, but only like one one swath at a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, Lynch you really is one could of the... say for any movie. The truth is, like I always
3: hated chapters on DVDs. Like, it never they're made very sense. random. I've often yeah. found like why why is this a break? I mean, listen, I don't I don't jump around in chapters. Who so I'm not, I'm not really sure what kind of
2: psycho what monster does. does that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? You know it's it's kind of funny now that I mean, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we all still watch Blu-rays and stuff, but sure. now that streaming has kind of taken over and everything, yeah. it's like they they didn't put they don't put they don't chapter put things in, in Netflix. There. They don't yeah. put chapters not on in, Netflix, but yeah. on iTunes they do. They do uh,
3: and yeah. on some. Yeah. Some providers put some providers put uh, advertisements that, are adver- that are ad- put supported. advertisements in the middle of their yeah. movies, which God. sucks, and everyone should stop doing that.
2: Yeah, um, people, the people at a certain Sony-backed uh, listen. They, I don't they'll know, never maybe, listen to this maybe. one. I mean, they're
3: only listening to the they're ones only- where, <laughs> that are on their services. so We can um, totally let's have talk Adam. a little bit about Sissy Spacek for a second. Yeah, yeah. let's. Who is uh, an old friend of Lynch's, which I didn't know, uh, and is married to his production designer.
0: Yeah, J- Jack Fisk. Uh, who uh, was the production designer of this movie, and I think worked on Eraserhead a bit okay. also directed some movies kind okay. of in, in, in so in she's the married episode. to him do you know
2: you know the Eraserhead thing with her i don't think so she was like a she like was the bridge to make that to finish that movie in terms she, of the 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 money, the money. she okay. she i think gave him the rest of the financing to finish that movie so they that's very really interesting was that she helped far, finance this movie yeah, they go back that far and
0: but I don't know how. Like, so I, well, it's because yeah. she's married to Jack Fisk, uh, who I well on this Charlie Rose interview I watched earlier. Uh, he literally said, "Like, is my oldest best friend."
2: So, Race Red was what year? Late sixties, Is it sixty seven, uh, something like no, that. No, no, it, it kind of came. Uh-huh. It
0: came out in, I believe, nineteen eighty, but it took five years oh. to make. He was making it really really slowly oh, so then,
2: and badlands was like 77 77, right. 77 badlands was like 73
3: and yeah. carrie was like 70 so she she was still very young at the time simon so mean, and i were both saying this last night it's it's sort of a shame that sissy Basic hasn't been in more lynch films like she feels She's so right in his, his universe movies. yeah um and I, and i will say in her performance that could have been quite treacly in totally. the wrong hands is so beautiful and funny and i can't believe she wasn't nominated she's
2: that's how i I was blown
3: away by her she's she's the look on her face when he's telling the story to the teenage runaway about her kids being taken away from her and her just looking out the window with these giant eyes these big blue eyes she's just like well she's she is what she can do with a look is just really really amazing um, and it is a bummer she hasn't been in more of his movies. But I mean, It's maybe. a bummer
0: she's not in almost every movie. She's just one she's of the best fantastic. actresses ever. She's fantastic. And Although,
3: she she's, she's had a, she was, a... Bloodline was the last thing she was in, I guess?
2: Bloodline. I mean, every once in a while, Sissy Spacek will have a performance like Bloodline. I mean, In the Bedroom was a big one. She's right. very good in that movie. Where you'll she just was nominated
3: she, for that movie, yeah, wasn't she?
2: Uh, probably. Or I mean, Sotome was. I, yeah. But um, every once in a while, she'll have this movie where she comes back and people just say, where did she go?
3: Why, why? Why did she? Yeah. Why leave? did she go away? Because she's 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 so I don't know. She's fantastic. She's really one of her fucking finest actors.
2: Oh yeah, and she is. Coal
0: miner's daughter. Yeah. I mean, she's just amazing in the my, my favorite Robert Altman movie, Three Women. Her and and Shelley Duvall are just an amazing duo. It's so weird. I mean, and that's actually kind of the most surreal Robert Altman movie. It's it's, it's well, really Badlands
2: of me too. You know that Terrific that is movie. my favorite Malik movie, and it's one of my favorite. She's performances. fantastic in that movie. It's just so. Oh, good. I forgot
3: she was in Big Love. Oh, yeah. She was really wow. good in that, too. That was an underrated show. It's a good show. show. I'm looking it's, at her nomination. Her and right Harry Dean Stan. She's been nominated uh, six times. Carrie, Coal Miner's Daughter, won for that, Missing. I don't hmm. know what that movie is. The River, Crimes of the Heart, and In the Bedroom. Wow. Wasn't nominated for Badlands. It's so weird. Badlands is such she, a
0: masterpiece. She's, she's been right
2: nominated now. six times, and I feel like we have not rung
3: nearly
0: not Nearly even close.
3: all the potential
2: Not out even of this close. person.
3: But yeah, she's, she's tremendous. Um, and she's great in this movie. Um, we talked about uh, Angelo Badalamente's score, which
0: is just, I mean, honestly, probably top three, like, Lynch scores. I, I think, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it in years, but watching it last night, it was so incredibly good. I actually think that it's just under Twin Peaks. I think it's actually almost at that level for its effectiveness within the movie. I agree. It's... Really, I th- really breathtaking. I think it's above Twin Peaks. Really? I think I think it's the thing
2: that elevates the whole this whole movie together, I agree. above another movie like this. So if
0: it just doesn't to sound biology, like him at all.
2: Is also like it doesn't sound well, like it's It, only it sounds like
0: Twin Peaks to me. Really? Yeah. Well, only the beginning. Only the only the very first. The very like the sort of. um, Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's 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 when it's on the the stars. Stars. It's it's a bit synthy. The rest of it is all just like strings and guitar. Yeah, Yeah. finger picking guitar and strings. It actually kind of reminded me of. I mean, obviously, it was their first, but the score of Nebraska, which is which is kind of yeah, Yeah, in in the same world, sort of. It's
2: interesting because that is the only (laughs) movie Alexander Payne did that he didn't write.
0: Yeah,
3: that's interesting. Um, which is also, this is the only film that Lynch has directed that I'm he did not
2: Yeah, Yeah, and it also, just to get to the Alexander Payne shit, um, this is a counterweight to Alexander Payne's second worst movie about Schmidt, which is this movie. I love your... <laughs> I love I,
3: your feelings about Alexander
2: Payne. When we get we to get election, election, which is one of my good. favorite movies ever made, you will hear the full, <laughs> the full breadth of how I feel about this guy, which is love and utter. Hate. No, I love election. I know, and I feel like it was made by
0: a different person. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I yeah. completely agree with you. I mean, it, it's so
2: beautiful, so brilliant, so honest, so, so cutting, humane, so, so cutting. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it it's, it it treats all its char- characters with respect. There is yeah. in the rest of Alexander Payne's oeuvre, there is not a female character that he treats with respect. They are the uh, they are the inciting yeah. incident for every the, the, a woman cheating on their husband. Yeah. Is the inciting incident for every other movie except Kind of Sideways? But there's still an untold story there that fucks him up.
0: Citizen Ruth is kind of interesting. That's that the was the one. That was before. I completely agree with you, and I love that movie. And I don't really love. I I kind of dig Nebraska, but I, it's Election for me is just like head and shoulders. Yeah. And Nebraska is a good movie, actually.
3: I kind but, of like what's her face in Downsizing. You like Hong Chau? Yeah, I thought she was good in that. Well, but the whole See, it's, fucking it's, the movie, whole movie is, not good, is but based on- it doesn't matter. Hung this Chow, isn't a Hung, podcast Hung Chow, with Alexander
2: Payne. <laughs> if Laura actually does watch this, you know she'll flip out if I this. say- yeah. Listen to this. She'll flip out if I say anything other than Hung Chao is terrible. But um, that whole movie is based on Kristen Wiig doing one of the worst yeah, things. Yeah, and she I, does a horrible, horrible thing. Oh, all right. The point about, about Schmidt is about <laughs> Schmidt is about a man who goes on a journey yes. and encounters nothing but the worst humanity has to offer. Yeah. And basically, Alexander's Payne says to me, like, you should just kill yourself. Like, if you leave your little, you leave your desk, you're going to encounter nothing but awful, disgusting, mean assholes.
1: Yeah,
3: that's fair.
2: Um, This is the opposite.
1: Ryan Reynolds here
0: from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com/slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Yeah, no, this movie's about if you go on a road trip, you're gonna meet the nicest people in the world. Um, Especially that dude who lets him stay in his backyard. Oh, yeah. what a guy. There's um, yes. There's a great quote from Roger Ebert's review where he said, um, like Hemingway's dialogue, the screenplay by John Roach and Mary Sweeney finds poetry and truth in the exact choice of the right everyday words, um, which I think is again, sort of a Testament to this sort of, uh, deceptive, deceptive simplicity that exists in this movie. Um, it's also, I mean, I don't, it's interesting to have Roger Ebert, elicit Hemingway in a review of a David Lynch movie. It's just not something that you would ever expect to hear, especially from a critic who was very, very critical of David Lynch to begin with. Um, I think that it's also kind of weird to have a Lynch film that's so one hundred percent sweet. Yeah, that's
2: the the biggest black mark on Roger Ebert, by the way.
0: Yeah, Lynch well, it is, really. I agree. Is. With, I you. Really, it. it's something that it's weird. Yeah, it's because I mean, he's, he's not, not like came he, around on Blue Velvet. I mean, it's it's Did he? yeah, and it's okay. such a famous thing. Like you can watch it on YouTube. The like Siskel and Ebert review. I have watched of, it. Yeah, of Blue Velvet. Like they're basically fighting to just eviscerate the movie like kind of more and more and but Ebert came around on it and 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 thought it was better it was Siskel that that really just could not get past how Isabella Rossellini's character was treated and just thought it was like the just abhorrent yeah the the worst yeah. misogyny wait unless i might be getting this the other way around was it ebert or or siskel that
3: it's Ebert. Siskel, I think, was, was kind of wishy-washy on Lynch, but, like, kind of got on board some of his stuff. I, yeah. Ebert was the one that was very outspoken about his He hated for, everything. For it was
0: specifically for Blue Velvet, though. Like, I just remember, like, the, the, yeah. the, the like, anger being so, so
3: but intense. But I do remember when Mulholland Drive came out, which he really liked and spoke quite fondly of, baked into his review was sort of a man that felt like he needed to go back and rewatch all of his movies. Like, huh. he, it's mm-hmm. like he, like, it had clicked, and he was like, oh, okay, and he – you know what I mean? Like, that was the, the viewfinder for which – I think that's what Mahon to,
0: Drive did, did for, for a lot of people. And it took yeah. 10 years yeah. for for yeah. that to kind of fully happen with, with society, some of, basically. Some of
2: Ebert's favorite movies are really transgressive. Agreed.
3: Um, so it's really confusing that he kind of singled this masterpiece. Well, that's why – and we talked about this in our Eyes Wide Shut episode, but Ebert loved Eyes Wide Shut. And I think there's a, I think there's a sprinkling of Lynch in Eyes Wide Shut. It's not yeah, as overtly – sure overtly surreal. Well, those but, two,
0: those two directors, I mean, obviously Kubrick was a yes, huge sure. influence on, sure. on Lynch, but, yeah. but Lynch was a big favorite of Kubrick. I mean, apparently, apparently Eraserhead was Stanley Kubrick's favorite film for a while. Yes. 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 Um,
3: yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can, you can definitely see the cross pollination and, and I think sure. I, I, I totally see some Lynch and I, as well I think there's well.
3: also something very interesting about, um, there are lots of long shots in this movie. And by that, I mean, long takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which usually in Lynch's films are filled with dread and just absolute paranoia and terror that something is. And in this movie, it's just really ordinary situations of people doing totally normal things, (laughs) which I think is just really interesting that just to see how, to see how his talent is used so differently in these two different situations. I think it's very, these long shots, which are, I mean, the one that that came to mind is early in the movie before Alvin falls yeah. and we're sitting outside with that woman that's sunning herself and the camera does that sort of, again, would have a eerie battle score. And you would just be like, something horrible is going to happen in there. And it, and something, the impetus of the movie happens, which is he falls, yeah. but it's yeah. just through a completely different. Well, and something
0: horrible prism. does
3: happen. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, this, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this yeah. but it, but another, you know, in, in another Lynch movie, it's, he finds an ear. Yeah, or, or like some fucking horrible monsters hanging out yeah, yeah. behind a dumpster or something like that. Which yeah. to this day still freaks me out. That yeah, dumpster I mean, monster so in Mulholland Drive really upsets me. We monster. should go
0: there for breakfast tomorrow.
3: <laughs> Denny's or <what laughs> norms? Is the, no, no, what the hell was it called? It's not norms. It's called something weird. It's act, it's like action. winkies or something oh, like oh, that. So that's oh, in what in the they movie. call it in the, yeah. Yeah. Isn't in, it in, in the movie. Isn't it norms in real
2: life? Isn't norms unlike? I think I think it's that. Yeah.
3: That's Wilshire it's at wilshire and fair and uh, fairfax you're saying the norms oh you're talking oh we're talking about a different thing i know what you're saying what are you talking oh you're talking about johnny's i'm talking about Johnny's. <laughs> no it's Norms. they <laughs> no, not not like
2: for those who don't uh, live in la Jesus. johnny's is this restaurant at wilshire and fairfax
3: which that is not just a restaurant exists. it just exists to be a location, oh, yeah, be a location. location. which i've never seen a soul film at by i the way. saw um there was a music video <laughs> that was shot there <laughs> It's
2: called, uh, this is really going to give you an insight into the kind of shit that I've watched in my life. <laughs> um, it, it was, uh, I think the guy's name was like Sean Kingston. Remember that guy? Yes.
3: It was his music video for his one hit. I will Jesus find it. Uh, let's talk about the plot a little bit here. And by plot, I mean the journey that Alvin goes on and the people that he meets along the way. Um, the, we just talked a little bit about the scene where he falls at the beginning. He goes to the doctor's office and the doctor's office scene Uh, It's kind of heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And I, and I mean, before he actually has his um, examination by the doctor. Just called beautiful girls. Great. Uh, (laughs) uh, That look on Alvin's face as he sits there and he looks at all the tools and he looks at at all the medications. And it's just a man who feels so mortal. You know what I mean? Like, and, and a man who is not comfortable with medicine and it's, it's a really kind of, it's a powerful sequence told with, and a lot of this movie is told without dialogue and you really see how extraordinary a visual filmmaker Lynch is at telling a story visually when he chooses to.
0: And and in a, and in a way I mean he's you know when he when he goes in there and he's yeah he's looking over all of the instruments and everything I mean he's he's sort of feeling a version of that same yeah. o- ominous terror that yes. you know Naomi Watts is in mall sure. drive. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's sort of lacking the surrealism, yes. but it is still that feeling of like dread in the pit of your stomach. Yes. And it's that from there, it actually, it's, it's really amazing. In the next few scenes, it sort of builds, you know, you can see his fear and his frustration, which he keeps from Rose, from his daughter. He yes. puts on a brave face for her. Mm-hmm. And then what really cracks is when his lawnmower, his first lawnmower breaks, because this is a guy that doesn't understand the human body. He doesn't understand medical tools, but he does understand simple machines. He Mm -hmm. understands Mm -hmm. a lawnmower. And when that goes, that really affects him. That kind of allows him to feel all of the stuff that, you know, the doctor telling him he's got to make some changes because his body is breaking down. Can't deal with that. But when it's a mechanical device, it's that's fixable. Yeah. 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 No, I agree with that. A hundred percent. Um,
3: so he goes to the doctor. doctor says, you need to do something. Uh, and then we have this beautiful juxtaposition of Alvin and Rose watching the rainstorm and then her getting the phone call about his brother having a stroke. Um, and the lighting, that rain on his face, I mean, it's just, it's a really beautiful, and, you know, take away the tears imagery out of it and just the the, the, the lightning storm, how much they enjoy it and just that that sort of, Lightning storms are scary, but they're great when you're inside, and there's just something sort of great about that, and not uh, playing with that, which I really like.
2: You know that was um, Alvin Strait's Real House? Oh my really? god, really? Yeah, yeah wow. That's great. Pretty cool. An- another That's thing, awesome. if you're talking
0: about the visuals here, is, uh, is uh, the cinematographer mm-hmm. uh, of it, um, you know, who's actually older than Richard Farnsworth. He was 81. Oh wow. When he was, That's crazy. When, when, when he shot this movie. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah, I love that. It's really well shot. I mean, we
3: talked a little bit last night about his use of wide-angle lenses and just how he sort of... You said something about how rare it is that he does like a, a real wide shot. No,
0: we're talking about uh, long lenses. Long lenses, it's, sorry. It's, my he, he, always, he, doesn't, he doesn't use telephoto lenses all that much. It's always right. a small handful of, of times in his movies because he is, he is kind of more of a, of a mid to a wide angle. You filmmaker. have to wonder what... why.
3: Like what his reasoning behind the use of long lenses when he uses them is. Or or quite frankly, it's also possible, too, that it's a it's a director of photography thing and he just sort of the director of photography says, Hey, let's why don't we use a long lens here? And he's like, sure. Like I, I just don't know how
0: finicky or or sort of, you know. Well, considering that he's worked he with a number lenses. of cinematographers in his Yet his look is so consistent. I imagine he's very, yeah. very much I involved. That. I mean, also coming from a painting back, background sure. and stuff like that. I've never—it's funny—and you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. You never really see him talking with the DP, but like yeah. just considering, like Freddie Francis, Frederick Elms, Peter Deming, like all of these different mm-hmm. cinematographers who are all terrific. Yeah, a David Lynch movie looks like a David Lynch movie no matter sure. what. Sure. Um,
3: so now we come to. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And it is is—it is sort of the most, one of the most overtly quirky scenes in the movie, but I still love it, which is the grabber scene. Um, yeah, that's a great It's scene. fantastic. That's like <laughs> something out of a Coen <laughs> Brother movie. But it, it's just like, it's so... this guy just loves this grabber so much and he just really doesn't want to let it go. Um, Ah, geez, Alvin, it's a good grabber. I don't know. There's just, it's, it's a great scene. And, and the joy (laughs) that Alvin is getting (laughs) out of buying it and prying it from him is just, is just fantastic. I don't know. And he, and he does use the grabber quite
0: effectively throughout the movie. So the the grabber comes in handy. The movie's got a bunch of good jokes in it. It's got a bunch of good punchlines. The best one being after this kind of big, big scene where they're kind of fighting over this thing finally what are you what are you gonna use that grabbing grabber for alvin dot, grab dot, dot 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 grabbing <laughs> <laughs> here's what i also love
3: is <laughs> the the owner uses the grabber like one last time yeah. before he gives it yeah. to him like just one more time for the for the road i just i don't
0: know i i adore it if, if there great. are bad guys this is the one lynch movie without bad guys we were saying if there are bad guys in this movie it's Those other guys in the town who were his friends who were just kind of want to know what. Yeah, they want to know what he's up to. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, Speaking of
3: what we spoke of of earlier in terms of Lynch's ability to tell a story visually without actually having any dialogue, one of the better scenes is the moment when Rose, watching Rose put together what her dad's doing with the lawnmower to the, I don't know what you call the thing being towed behind it. Tractor, I guess. Or whatever it is. Trailer. 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 And her just you can see her piecing it together through the visuals that he's, it's just, it's great It's stuff like that. And that's actually a very Spielbergian thing that I noticed too, which is Spielberg's very good at telling a story. He's an incredible visual filmmaker and you could remove a lot of the dialogue from ET for instance, and you could tell that movie for what it's worth. There is, ve- um, there is almost no exposition in the first half hour know, of this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Um, it's also a very practical movie. We watch people do practical things throughout the film. It's lots of moments of watching a man trying to do something small. Yeah. Did you guys feel,
2: after watching this movie or during watching this movie, that you, for lack of kind of a better way to put this, were in a David Lynch movie? Like, I noticed myself doing these mundane (laughs) things and kind of feeling like, like, because I think at his best, he's kind of the master of the mundane. Right? Sure. Like his, 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 in all of his movies and television shows, um, you know, it's like how McLaughlin talking into the, uh, talking into his hand, dictaphone. To, to his yeah. dictaphone. Yeah.
3: yeah. Th- these very simple things that we all do, but he has a real way of capturing it. Of and, twisting it and turning it somehow and making it feel. Yeah.
2: And I think a that, little bit, I think yeah, like, yeah, and I think this just kind of speaks to my relationship with, with Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people look at him and say, you know, he's he, he, he's, he's showing some dream world. He's showing some world yeah. that doesn't exist. He's, he's it, It's all surrealistic. I think sure. he's just taking a very different perspective on our world. Uh, completely. And sure. Yeah. And once you actually- just seeing it from a different seeing angle. Seeing it from a different angle. Yeah. And once you're in his shit, yeah. I start to see those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those little things. Like yeah. I'm literally walking into my- I, I work in my office, which is off my garage. I have to use my key to get in my house because we keep the house locked all day because, you know, a lot of burglars- um, just screwing up, putting my key yeah. in the keyhole right yeah. now, I'm thinking, this is, this is yeah, the yeah. kind of thing that he would knew he would notice that no other filmmaker would. He bother does have with. like a
3: bit of a decoder ring in a weird way. Like he sees the world through You know what I mean? Through a different prism. And sometimes people that allow themselves to be led into his yeah. world and to allow, I mean, it's
2: more valid than it seems upon first watch. Yeah.
3: And I think, I think also for me personally, when I didn't get them and I didn't get them and then I got them, it was like those, what, I don't know what the fuck they were called, those paintings that you had to cross your eyes to when you. Magic had to, Eye. Magic Eye. Yeah. Where you finally saw the three dimensional thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was terrible. I could never see them. And then when you do see them, you're like, oh, fuck. this. And I just feel like Lynch has kind of that quality to his movies where you're like, I didn't see it. I didn't get it. Oh, now I completely get it, which I think is interesting. and And speaks to Ebert, I think, a little bit too, in terms of he just kind of dismissed him as some like art school snob or, or sort of a guy, you know, a, a, a weird sort of esoteric, uh, whatever you want to call it, filmmaker, surreal filmmaker. Um, and then you see a movie like this, which like, there's nothing showy about this movie.
0: Oh, I don't know. I think it's, I think in a way, I mean, it's, it's deliberately paced and it's calm and it's kind observational. of observational. Yeah, yeah. Observational and nurturing. But yeah. I mean, the cinematography and the editing are in a quiet way. Yep. Very showy. I mean, like, there isn't... The, all the shots are very, very beautiful. And, yeah. you know, there are all these, like, long language dissolves. Like, I mean, yeah. it, really, it really does sort of present itself. It's not... it's not like that's you, true. It's, it's, that's not, it's not like you don't feel the film's style. That's true. That's true. I, I would agree with that. Um, so
3: Alvin takes off on his lawnmower. It breaks down. Uh... There's a great scene with him getting on a tour bus with a bunch of old ladies mm-hmm. and one of the women saying
0: my Edward loved his lawn mower which I think is fantastic. Yeah. My Edward it's just I don't know. There's just something about that. Yeah. most David Lynch movies have you know sometimes a very weird sexual element to it. This one doesn't. That's the closest it does. Those women they, they want to fuck they, Alvin. They, they, they really run. really <laughs> like this this cowboy this cowboy that gets on yeah. their bus. Like they are interested. That, that was some <laughs> very that was a poetic
2: true. license yeah. based on the real Alvin.
3: <laughs> yeah, the real Alvin. No one no was trying to fuck. No one was trying to fuck. No offense. No.
2: Rest in peace. Um, you know. I
3: mentioned this to you as we were watching it last night. That I do hope that that we that uh, the movie got some money for the John Deere product placement because when the he goes to, hardware product because yeah. when he goes to those to get that new John Deere thing I've never seen pieces of I don't even know what gardening equipment or whatever you would call it that these massive like things yeah. with John Deere all over it which I thought was pretty
0: cool. Thrushers maybe Threshers? Threshers. Threshers. Yeah. Thresher. Thresh. Thresh. thresh you got big ed yeah showing up yeah yeah, yeah. which That's is something. great.
3: Uh, and a great scene, one of your favorites. Yeah, um, I love that scene mm-hmm. when he's like, "You
0: learn a lot about a person when you know who owned this, who owned this first. I love it too, it's man. Great. Everett McGill. Like, is there is there another actor that like just embodies decency as soon as he <laughs> yeah. shows up, says something like, you know, you you believe yes. everything absolutely. he says, absolutely,
3: absolutely. Um, so he gets a new lawnmower, and then he really gets on his journey, and he really starts going. Uh, I do one one more point about the. The John Deere
2: thing and the Ace Hardware thing,
3: mm-hmm.
2: a snob wouldn't put those well-recognized brands in their movie. Someone who's trying to make a movie about small-town America, yeah. it would be like fucking that horrible movie we watched. Um, Which movie? Runaway Bride. <laughs> right, runaway bride takes place in a small town, and there are no name brands in every small town in America. Yeah. you have an Ace Hardware, you have a Walmart, you have John Deere mowers, you yeah. have Caterpillar equipment. That's yeah. that. That's what it actually looks like. Yeah, and to take those out is to is to present some Ozzy and Harriet version of America that no longer exists. Sure, and that to me yeah. is a little. It's a little patronizing,
3: actually. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, but the irony is that a lot of the people from the town that saw this movie found that this movie was made them look like weirdos. They did make them look like. Yeah. It's
2: interesting. They made them thought they thought that they looked like bumpkins because yeah. I thought that Alvin was way too dignified <laughs> to do this ridiculous thing. I think the Richard Har- Farnsworth version, like right. that, is that is one buy that I just bought and, and sure, let sure, it go, sure. but it's so silly what he ultimately did. And, they, yeah, and, and what I've read is the real Alvin was kind of a silly weirdo who would yeah. do something like this, yeah. but whatever it's important to the movie to make him somebody who's lived and has perspective on his sure. life. And I can kind of move sure. on with that.
3: Um, so along the way, uh, the first person he meets is this pregnant teenager, which um, who sort of initially is very dismissive of Alvin. And then he kind of sets her, no pun intended, straight, in terms mm-hmm. of just sort of, I uh, <laughs> so really didn't mean to.
0: You owe everybody an apology for that. I, I'm, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I think, sorry. I think
3: that's what he
1: always
2: said after he met a woman. i had just such a straight baby. Oh God. Uh, my point. My point. <laughs> Simon laughed a big laugh there. He I wish it was on he Mike. Did. He did. Yeah, he like covered his. He covered it, but he should have just It was should have just let it happen. Just let it happen on Mike, so you know it could that, that, that wasn't to a, 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 a quiet room. <laughs>
3: My- <laughs> yeah it's true simon did give uh give yes. kenny uh, a big laugh big laugh uh this could have played super cliche like this totally. this whole thing could have been so on the nose and pat but it's close for me yeah i agree it's it. close for me it but what keeps it and i'll give you it gets dangerously close to that what keeps it away from that is farnsworth yeah his performance mm-hmm. and just Lynch finds this humanity and this realism there, which again, like it's there, but it's, you know, we're getting into cliche territory, but it works. It works because, and that girl, by the way, is good too. Like she, she she's, yeah. she, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not a,
0: a throwaway scene by any means. No, to, to me, if anything that gets close to the patness and I, it's, that's one, that's one of only a couple moments in the movie that I start to kind of get my back up. Although ultimately I think it works. Right. It's the, the, the writing is just a little a little close to being cliché, sure, a sure. little close to, I mean I remember struggling with it even back then because it it's almost kind of leaning a bit too or I worry that it's going to lean a bit too conservative for me frankly, although I don't think it, it does. It doesn't go there though. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah. think it does. The other thing about that scene that always got me, I remember yeah. thinking this in 1999 yeah. in a sort of alternate universe and yeah. funnily enough with Twin Peaks there are alternate universes, that girl kind of reminds me of Laura Palmer in a different way, and even her yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it's, mm-hmm. you there know, is it's, something to that for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, it's
3: she, there, there is sort of a, there's a, there definitely is a brokenness to this girl. Yeah. Um, it's not as overt and you don't feel sort of like, it's not, it's not going to the same places, but I know what you're saying. It no, feels that way. Yeah, yeah. No, so, no, I mean, she, yeah, she's not Laura Palmer. Yeah, but but yeah. Yeah.
2: I think what sets this scene apart from similar scenes like it in worse movies. And again, like, I think I'm talking myself into basically that I think this is probably the best version of this kind of movie that could be made. Is when Alan says my wife gave birth to 14 children and seven made it. Yeah. Yeah. That is not something you generally would do in a story about family. And that gives his words. Yes. uh, Validity. And a power. Power. Yeah. Because the whole point is family's very strong. I mean, the... The, the bundle of sticks yeah, thing, which out, I love. Yeah, exactly. So so the little story he tells is I used to, I had, you know, 14, my wife gave birth to 14 kids, seven made it. I used to play a game with my kids. I gave them a stick and I had them break it and it was easy to break. Then I had them put the sticks together and I had them try to break that and you can't break it. And he said, that's family.
3: Bundle of sticks is family. And Although after Blair Witch Project, it takes on Bundle of sticks. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bundle sticks <laughs> is a witch.
2: <laughs> but is the work of the witch, but, but that's, um, that's, that's to me why it works. Cause he has some, he's, can speak on some authority about what it feels like to lose people. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so. it's, it's, it's also, I mean, and it relates to the brother at the end. I mean that if you yeah. believe that, and yet you haven't talked yes. to your brother in, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah.
3: It's, I think also, as we mentioned earlier, it tees up the Rose story really beautifully as well. Um, so, I'm willing right. to give the pregnant teen cliche a little bit of a pass just based on performance and direction. I do but then folded it it into it, it gives you the rose thing as well. So, it, it, it totally seemed I bought it. When
2: totally did he gave. tell that story?
3: Later. No, to, to her. To her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So, we now come to probably my second favorite. And again, I apologize that it feels like I'm focusing on the quirky stuff, but the dear lady is just, is just magnificent the another deer, the, another the deer lady's great next no the deer isn't i'm pretty sure she's next okay because then yeah pretty sure i don't know okay okay well talk about it it's you know um i as kenny saw last night i love that scene it makes me laugh I love but it it, too. it's also really fucking sad yeah <laughs> like this woman and even when she says And I love deer. Like, so for, anyway, for people who haven't seen the movie, this woman is driving on this freeway, this interstate, uh, and she keeps hitting deer. Uh, And she's hit, like, I think she said she hit like 14 of them in the last, however many times, in the last week. And then you get this shot where she looks out at the expanse. She's like, where are they coming from? (laughs) You know what it
2: was? It was the worst part. Sorry. It was the, uh,
3: the cyclist stuff. Yeah, which is fine. Throw away, which Go is ahead. why I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she looks and she's like, "Where are they coming from?" Like she doesn't even understand why it's happening. And then she says, "And I love deer." And she just drives away in tears. And you're just like, "This poor fucking woman." It's funny, yeah, but it's also really Her performance sad. is terrific. She's fantastic.
0: Yeah. She, she's hitting a perfect tone because it could be it could be just ridiculous or stupid. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's like. She's so heart yes. like her heart, heart is just yeah. is just being yeah. torn apart by yeah. this. Even this, she goes
3: <laughs> when she crouches down. She's like, it's dead. But I love like she's just she's she's vacillating in in tone within a very short scene, but is also playing it at a pretty high level. Like she's she's doing. And, and just Alvin's just like, doesn't get it and then he eats the deer. Yeah. And that,
0: the, another one of the greatest punchlines in the movie, all that amazing yeah. scene is just to set up to cut to Alvin has, Alvin is, is, is making dinner out of the roadkill. Better, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better than
3: wieners. Yeah. Uh, Better than wieners. It's a great scene. Um, and I think the next sequence, and again, forgive me if I'm wrong, I think is, the, is the crash scene. Is the scene where, where the, belt crashes. Yeah. Where Almost. the belt, where the belt on his lawnmower yes. gets fucked yes. up. And, uh, that's maybe the most terrifying scene of oh, the movie, yeah. right? Unbelievable action directing there. It like, really is. Like though. it's slow
0: paced, but yeah. it's 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 like we, you any, got the it's fire like any burning any on fashion. that yeah.
3: and, and there's a lot of POV stuff. And and generally speaking, I found like for instance, with the deer lady that like kind of rack kind of crash
0: zoom that yeah, they go into it yeah. was a little janky to me. Like
3: I thought it was oh, fine. I, I
0: love that actually. Okay. That's one of the things that okay. it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's clearly like, like a fully like hand cranked zoom. Yeah. Cause it kind of does it in three pieces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas this stuff felt much more impressionistic. In the way that it sort of this like horrifying. Oh, I'm sorry. I I I, I was talking about in this crash scene. There's a there's a thing. Maybe, is there? Yeah, yeah. There's like okay. There's there, there's there's sort of this this. Because there's like oh no, them. you're talking about the POV stuff, right?
2: Where it's kind of going out of. That's no, what it, I th-
3: I'm talking about when the woman hits the deer. Yeah. You hear it. Yes. And then you do. And you don't like know this, what it. You don't know you what do do This weird yeah. kind of like kind of jerky like, crash zoom into face. it's like face. that new instagram filter where you go bum 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 it, it kind of felt a little bit like that oh yeah no sorry so, i wasn't talking about that I was later about in in this
0: there's there is
1: i, like I shaky was cam, i love the shaky cam yeah, yeah. and POV
3: the stuff. blurriness of yeah. it it had this and like, there's
0: another zoom into him it's not Oh, like, is the one okay. there yeah, the, I, yeah. I,
3: I trust you um point is that's maybe the most kind of like I don't want to say like overtly lynchian moment, but it's the moment that's the most like filled with actual like real horror and fear. Yeah. Um which is I, ironic considering the nature of this, but uh of this sequence, but it's you really think like he's going to die. Um which is kind of kind of amazing. Um is it here or later that we get to like was like frat kids or whatever, he like pulls into some sort of like that's the
2: cyclist. That's the cyclist. cyclist. Yeah, that's oh, when they can't the yeah, cyclist. Yeah, yeah and know. not much happens there. So but.
3: so then he gets his lawnmower fixed after this
2: almost crash. By the twins. just one more thing with the crash. Yeah. Like there's the fire in the background. You know what it was, right? It was, I don't think I do. It's a it's a exercise that yeah. the firemen are putting that fire out as a training exercise, oh, yeah. and people are just <clears> watching <throat> it because it's something to do. Something to do, yeah. And that in a in, in a worse movie in a in a runaway bride or a, <coughs> or in lack of a better reference, I feel like a doc Hollywood that would be like a joke on them. Yeah. This is the kind of shit that they're doing on a Saturday afternoon. But it felt it felt so
3: natural. Yes,
2: that um, I, I loved it. I, yeah. I, I loved it. I believed it. I, I thought it was. A, it, it felt was, very real. Yeah, very I mean, real.
3: this whole movie feels real. It feels lived in. The, the movie doesn't really strike a false note for me through the entire run of it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. Gets long, it,
0: it, it is a little heightened too. It's both real. Like it's like the emotions real, but there is kind of, there is a bit of a, it's dialed up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's
3: but no more than like it's ever been dialed up in a Lynch film.
0: No. And well, it's in a
3: different of this, way. Th- way less. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of scenes of this nature is what I'm getting at. Like the, the sort of do- domesticity, if you will, that exists within like something like twin peaks, for instance, mm-hmm. um, Feels on par with this stuff. You know what I mean? Like the Lucy stuff, or the Lucy Andy stuff, feels mm-hmm. akin to the stuff that's going on here. Um, so he gets his lawnmower fixed. Then we get to the war veteran. Does that feel right? Yes.
2: Or- well, yeah, after he gets his, the car fixed by the twins, and you know, right. the, the, essentially the kindness of a, the stranger, this, right. this man who offers to drive him.
3: That's right. There. And yeah. he uses the phone and he leaves the $3. For, yeah. yeah. For I the, love that. Yeah. Song. So yeah. he, 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 won't, won't, go he won't go inside their house.
2: and So this stranger basically, you know, he lets Alvin- the greatest human that's ever yeah. been. Yeah. Sorry. He lets him stay outside in his backyard, essentially, while yeah. the, the tractor gets fixed by these, you know, twins. Yeah. And, you know, two things happen. One, the twins try to fuck him on the price and Alvin yeah. negotiates just yeah. like he negotiates on the grabber. And, uh, <laughs> and these twins are- Chris Farley's, Chris Farley's brothers. His brothers, yes, and the uh, and then the next thing is this man offers to drive him the rest of the way,
0: and Alvin oh, I love turns that scene him with down. His wife. The
3: scene with his wife, no, where she's let's, like just drive
2: him, which may be the only scene that Alvin's not in. Probably up there, but yeah,
0: sissy spacek watching the sprinkler, and then oh, the, kid the kid with the ball. I mean, it's yeah. such a well, tiny and also scene. Also, she has the scene but...
3: at the at the store. With oh the, yeah, with the. Um, with the woman, what when makes that ridiculous face? Based on I don't know what they were talking about. How, how many something? wieners and like whatever party, the
2: thing, like
0: Braunschweiger yeah. or whatever the whatever the. That was pretty funny too. Yeah.
2: Um, but yes, yeah, to yeah, your point, so one of he, very
0: few scenes. Yeah, in this movie so the that, man
2: offers to drive him, and, Al, and Alvin politely says no. And yeah. I think he just says, "This is something I, I want to do." Yeah. Right, and I love that. Yeah, like yeah. I get, I, I get that in yeah. microcosm. This idea of like I've set out to do something, the shortcut is presented. Yeah. It really wouldn't it's almost like marting a marathon, right? Yeah. You don't yeah, have to yeah. do it for anybody other than yourself
3: and there's you want to other stories the on to your get own to terms the, to get to the yeah. finish line. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um I, I totally see that. It's cool. Um then we get to the war veteran at the bar. And I think he probably knew that if he got all the way, the story would get optioned <laughs> <laughs> and he'd make,
2: it's true. A, make it's a lot true. of
1: money. So
3: Um The scene at the bar with the war veteran, um the line that, that jumped out at me was the thing is, the thing about getting older is I get older and my friends get younger. And like the, 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 the memories of his, you know, the people that died during the war or just people that he, that he was, you know, that he was in the war with um, that mixed with whoever that man is that does the scene with, uh, with him is shaking, like tr- filled with tremors and is crying it's just, it's a, it's a really, really powerful scene.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's,
3: it's, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it, it there's, no, there's not really a whole lot to say other than, uh, if you're going to watch the straight story, that's the scene to watch, in my opinion. Like if you see no other scene in this movie, that's the scene that I found the most sort of like, that it
0: really just, I don't know. I think at. there are a few, but I mean, that is, that is like the most absolutely powerful. I mean, especially if, you know, like we're of the age that probably had, you know, like my grandfathers were in sure, World sure, War II. Sure, sure, sure. Like that. That mm-hmm. you know, getting the understanding. You know of 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 you know what? How the horror of war, like, really sticks with yeah. a person, and, and like in that really kind of deep, deep, deep way. Mm-hmm. And both of the performances are incredible, and yeah. really real, and really true, and heartbreaking. Yeah, it's 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 really powerful stuff.
3: Yeah. Um. So we're now kind of at the end of his journey. I mean, I don't know if there's other things that, that you feel like.
0: He kind you, of almost breaks down on the, like, literally on the last row. Yeah, which is sort of weird. Yeah. It's like, it, it's kind
3: of, I don't know. It's a little bit of a wank. Like, he doesn't really break down. And then there's like a bigger trailer that goes by. And then he drives behind. The, I don't, I'm not really sure Look,
0: what i was man, to D- take. David Lynch makes fucked up movies. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. He,
3: don't worry. He
2: understands
0: it. <laughs> so, yeah, touche. Yeah, um,
1: I, I, I.
2: I think we can get into that. I feel like I want to continue the conversation about the the war veteran yes, thing. Sure,
3: please, yeah.
2: Because um, that, that the scene the scene in and of itself affected me a lot, and I agree with you, Phil. I think it is kind of the best, most important scene in the movie. We're seventeen, 18 years. I screw this up every time. Nineteen oh, years Jesus. removed. And my math. math is so bad. Nineteen years removed from this. Richard Farnsworth is dead. Harry Dean Stanton is dead. Yeah, that generation is pretty much dead. Gone, yeah. Right? Like, there are very few people. Both my grandfathers who fought in World War II are mm-hmm. dead. I no, yeah. don't know if your grandfather is... Elite. Yeah, no, no. These stories are gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Vietnam stories are not quite the same, right? No. They're, they're, they're their own brand
3: of awful. Of awful, yeah. But
2: they're uniquely awful in that the
3: war was so bad. Well, I was just going to say, like, the war and, I mean... Whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was it was the first war that America was a part of that didn't come to, I guess, some sort of a satisfying conclusion, I guess. Yeah. It was you
2: protested know. during the time. And there's another yeah. important aspect of it, which is a lot of guys didn't do it. A lot of guys didn't fight in it, right? So It was the, the first war where people like dodged it. Dodged it yeah. in mass. Yeah. So, you know, whereas, you know, everybody of my our grandparents Generally, every man and a lot of women too, sure. in, their, in their various capacities, fought in World War II. You have a lot of stories like Trump, where they got five deferments, or you know, frankly, other people who are close to me who were in college and didn't have to do it. Um, and that's depressing to me in its own sure. weird way. That that those stories of the old, old guys sitting in a VA or sitting in a Elks Lodge telling their their war stories, good, bad, or otherwise, are gone. And yeah. and that yeah, you know, that, that kind of breaks
3: my heart in its own way. Okay. I I completely agree and it's i think it's just you know it encapsulates a lot about the movie I think it certainly is it is the the darkest terrain that the movie treads in I, I think that that's sort of um it certainly feels like the the darkest chapter of the movie um and 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 kind of the 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 um The break in the clouds is kind of after that, you know what I mean? That he gets to, he gets to Lyle after that point, you know?
0: Well, again, and just in the same way that, you know, the teenage girl, it's about family or, you know, all of these people you meet, it totally relates to his and Lyle's thing. I mean, this is about the regrets you have in life, the stuff you can't undo, the stuff that you have to deal with no matter what for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life and how can you live with it. Yes. And that's sort of the darkest thing he has to get through because Mm -hmm. whatever he went through with Lyle, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is he going to live with it? Can he do something about it? And that's what this whole journey is about. Um, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of funny that, that movie, uh, Harry Dean Sands, last movie, lucky that came out last year that John Carroll Lynch directed. There's a very similar scene. I didn't see that movie. What is, what it's, is that it's movie? It's a about? terrific movie. John Carroll Lynch who, you know, he was, he was a Zodiac the killer. Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's in all this episode. Well, not maybe sure about that. Maybe the Zodiac killer. Not um, the game could still be happening. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um, well that's, that's,
1: it is up for debate whether he's a Zodiac killer.
0: <laughs> um, John Carroll Lynch directed this movie. It was Harry Dean Sands last film It stars. Harry Dean as um, mm-hmm. as a guy in this small town that is kind of dealing with with sort of similar stuff. He's he's, you know, very, very old, has health problems um, and is kind of putting dealing with his life and kind of putting his sort sure. of emotional affairs in order. And David Lynch plays his best friend uh, and he hangs out at a bar. It's there are actually quite a lot of things similar to the straight story. And partway through the movie, it might actually be in kind of the same spot, like about mm-hmm. two thirds of the way through Um he has a scene in the local diner where he runs into uh, another, and I believe it, there's a chance it's Korean war, but I think it's Vietnam. It's uh-huh. Vietnam. Um, and he has a similar scene with Tom Skerritt. Uh-huh. Uh, and they have this amazing scene of just kind of sharing the worst parts of the war together and, and, and kind of taking a lesson out of it. It's a different sort of lesson. Right. Um but but it's then, similar. Yeah. And it's, by. and yeah, and it's, 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 it's equally moving, although it goes in a, Totally different way. And Lucky's a great movie. You should see it. Harry Dean's I need incredible to that in that movie.
2: Um, our second Harry Dean movie so far.
3: What was, oh, why am I drawing a blank on the first one? Green Mile. Oh,
0: fuck, huh? Have you seen the Green Mile lately?
3: Simon, not, have you ever seen the game? Not Green lately. Mile?
0: Yeah. I saw it. I saw it vaguely when it came <laughs> out or, or, or sort of it's yeah. It's funny yeah. when we, when we were, when we were watching this last night, it's, it's, it's weird because it's, you know, so long ago and he plays a very old man who has just had a stroke, yeah. but Harry Dean looks so young in he this does. movie. In comparison. He does? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Dude, so in, in, in Green Mile, yeah, looks you know, downright middle aged. He's just bright.
3: Yeah. yeah. Which is the same year. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, which is obviously the same year. Uh, so Alvin gets to Lyle's house. Uh, and uh, it's a very simple scene, I guess, in terms of the fact that they don't say a lot to each other. Uh, they don't hug, they don't hug, they don't, they don't like, and just, I mean, it's the look on Harry Dean Stanton's face when he says, You wrote that here, and his eyes fill with tears. And you're just like, fuck this movie, man. <laughs> like it just like that. It, it's such a beautiful, beautiful, perfect place to leave this movie. And they don't have anything really else to say to one another. It's just the journey
0: was the statement. And to clarify, you meant fuck comma. Yes. This
1: movie.
3: <laughs> yes. No, not yeah. fuck yeah. this movie. Isn't that <laughs> um, what I said in the beginning? Yeah. yeah fuck I, feel, yes. I feel like, yeah, uh, I'll add the comma. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And then just, to, you know, the pan up to the stars. I don't know. It, it's not, it's, did it remind you a bit of the end of uh, True Detective? Huh. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. More powerful, this one. Uh, True Detective, not as much.
2: No, no, well, I'm
3: kind of coming around on that, too, a little bit. But that's for another
2: day. Probably we'll, never, we'll probably never get there, but we already did our Woody.
3: We did our Woody. on the Ed TV. Uh, maybe better than True Detective? Oh, definitely better than True Detective. <laughs> is definitely it better, is better than True, True Detective than, season two? Is it least. better than no? The Straight Story? I don't know about that. Mm. Um, well, we'll so, say. speaking of that, this feels like a good time to do zero to ninety-nine. Uh, I mean, unless there's something else that I'm missing. I think we're there. I think we did. Or do you have? I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't. I'm certainly not rushing us. Bang-up job on this movie. I think we did a great job on this yeah. movie. And did we turn you around a little bit on it, Kenny? You did. Okay. I feel you, like you were on the fence. You didn't hate. You this didn't movie. turn
2: me around. I, I, you know, what we do, Simon, <laughs> is we do um, a zero to ninety-nine rating. Yeah. And we start with the rating when you. In ninety nine, presuming you've seen it yes. or you saw it back then, and then we do what you feel now. And I'm going to do what I did coming in, and what I'm going to, and what I feel now.
3: Oh, interesting, because okay. I did have a, a number. You Didn't see it in ninety nine, right? Or I've did never you did? seen it. Oh, you've never seen this. No. Movie. I, okay. I, I, well, that that sounds fair.
2: So I, I had a, I had a number when I came into it, and I've revised up. What's your when you came when you sat came down in here today? Room, okay. What were your thoughts before when I came you into sat down? In this room it was sixty one. Interesting. So I thought it was a good movie. I thought okay. it was, you know, I, I certainly liked it. Um, uh-huh. I didn't think it was fantastic. Okay, I, I definitely will revise it upwards after this conversation. Okay. I think it's much better than I thought. I think it's about a seventy-five. Oh wow! Um, then I,
3: I feel I feel good about you guys. What you we did you did do what you said you would do. You did turn me around. <laughs> I would also say too that, and this happened uh, to Kenny and I <laughs> last last week when we did uh, Austin Powers the Spy. Who shagged me. It's true. Um, we both sat down with a a pretty you know, substantial disdain for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and strangely, some have turned each other around on it and both left being like, maybe this movie wasn't as bad as we thought. Um, shagadelic, baby. shagadelic, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed. Uh, when I saw this movie back in the day, um, I'd say I was probably in the low eighties, 82, 83, something like that. Um so much so that I actually remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I, you might know what I'm about to say, but I don't know if you do. I, I don't know. Uh, so I remember I came out to Los Angeles after the first year of Ryerson in the hopes of <laughs> trying to transfer into USC or UCLA's film school, uh, which obviously I did not do. But in coming out here, uh, I did some DVD shopping and got access to some DVDs that weren't available in Canada at the time. And one of which was The Straight Story. Hmm. And I remember I bought two copies of it and I I brought one back for you um because it either hadn't been released in Canada or it might have been and like Alliance Atlantis had done some shitty like pan and scan that was version of it wasn't was screen. Screen yeah. or whatever I still have that DVD yeah and it's a beautiful like the the, the cover is really beautiful of gold co- yeah it's great gold covered Disney yeah. big Disney yeah. logo it's at the so top weird. but um so I thought very highly of the movie back then I would say I think hi- more highly of it now even more so I'd say I'm probably at like 88 89 with it now I think it's a I think it's a really beautiful movie
0: well, um, I my my impression of it, I think, has definitely changed, but not in quality. It's just sort of how I approach it. Um, I would have been sort of doing some light film criticism and, like, actually published a top ten list in 1999, and sure. I know that this was on it. Sure, um, and it still would be on it today. I don't. I don't think it's actually my favorite movie of 1999, but I would. I'll just I'll just give it a I don't know like a ninety two let's say. and I probably felt pretty much the same same way then I I just think that watching it now I'm sure I haven't watched it in might have it might be like ten years since I've watched it although I'd watched it you know probably at least ten times before that sure Um, I get a lot of different things from it and I think I feel it in a ways a lot deeper Mm -hmm. but um, but I still think it's it's terrific it's not anywhere close to my favorite David Lynch movie actually but I I think it's lovely and a masterpiece what what do
2: you have a idea of what your number one movie of the year would be
0: ah uh, i'd have to do you guys have like a a general kind of list ar- around there i mean i know i there there are a bunch we uh, could throw out some
2: of ours yeah yeah throw yeah yeah
0: throw through uh some. being john malkovich that, that would be up there probably below this but it would be up there i do. yeah magnolia magnolia eyes wide shut election I mean, election election might be my favorite movie in the time. The Limey, Three Kings. The Limey is a great one. Yeah. Three, Three Kings. Three Kings wouldn't be like I like Three Kings, but yeah. it wouldn't be. Yeah. It wouldn't be up there. I
3: think of others. Audition came out in ninety
0: nine. Oh, that's a great movie. It's a great
3: movie. Run Lola Run. Run Lola Run. Nope. Simon's not a
0: fan. of You do of not Lola like Run Lola Run? No, no.
2: it's uh <laughs> no, When I we just, redo, yeah. when we run out of movies and we, and we start, start doing, doing them again, again. Yeah. I would love to have a Run Lola Run hater on this yeah.
3: because we should actually have more haters on yeah. now That I think about it, people that don't like the movie because it will give us. It could be an interesting argument to be made. We're bringing on a lot of people that love these movies, and we love these yeah, movies. I just want people who feel passionate. Yeah, I agree. One I agree. way or another. I thought I was the
2: hater on this movie. I was sure I was coming into like, eight this movie. I mean, in comparison to you guys. <laughs> yeah. But uh, What's Ghost, your favorite Ghost Lynch Ghost dog movie? Dog would be up there. Oh, yes.
0: My favorite Lynch movie, it's, I mean, it's kind of like a three or four-way tie, but... uh sure, um, sure. Favorite <laughs> child? Kind yeah, of yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, I mean that's hot. I have one. Uh, which, which one's, one's yours. Well, my three children. Oh, <laughs> <tell.
2: laughs>
0: that's amazing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, it might, I mean, might be a racer head, but blue velvet, wild at heart, really? lost highway. Sure. I, maybe it's twin peaks season three. I, I don't know. Sure. It's there. There. I mean, it's, it's really, really close. Yeah, I, I, I don't like inland yeah. empire as much. I've never actually watched Dune from beginning to end. I fall asleep. Really? no matter what. I've seen every frame of Dune <laughs> at least two or three times, yeah. and I love some of the craft in it. But it's not a good movie. Are you excited for Villeneuve's uh, remake of Dune? That's uh, apparently happening. I I don't know. I mean, I've never I'll, read I'll, Dune. I'll so I don't have yeah, I mean, I've never read it yeah. either. I mean, the thing I'm the th- the Dune property I like the best is yeah. the documentary about the film you sure, sure. never made. Sure, sure. Um,
3: if I had to pick a favorite, Lynch it would. I mean, I know that this might be whatever, but it's probably Mulholland Drive. Fair enough. Um, I just adore that movie. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I love all, I mean, truthfully, I love all of his movies in varying ways. It's not like, you know, but. It's definitely Blue Bell for me. And
2: really? I think I've called it my favorite film of the 80s. Yeah. In my life.
0: It's my favorite film of the 80s, too, for sure. Uh, I can't movie.
2: quite remember what else uh, would even be on that list for me, but.
3: Um, it certainly feels like. Um, it's interesting. I remember, I don't know why Spielberg keeps coming up, but I'm going to bring him up anyway. In an interview, someone asked him, you know, if you had one film that you had to say, like, this is to someone, like, you know, this is my favorite film or the film that sort of is the most me, he said E.T. Um, and this was around the time of Schindler's List, so take from that what you want. Uh, I think that Blue Velvet is sort of like if you had to put one David Lynch film in front of a person, I, it, that, feels like the one that checks the most lynchy and kind of boxes maybe i'm maybe i'm
0: being no for the longest time i mean i think right. i i think it's ch- i think it's changed to Mulholland drive oh I I, right. I I think it's blue Velvet. well i i do too i actually i love Mulholland drive but i think it's actually overrated um enough. I, although i love yeah. it like i'm not gonna come out against it yeah, because no, I, I, but I i i do love it but i, I just think in like the general public per- perception yeah blue velvet was the one that was carrying it for the longest time and i think just as we've moved it's kind of shifted but i'm talking about perception not i may be saying
2: different things because i think that mulholland drive is considered his masterpiece now yeah but yeah but i do think that mulholland drive is a different kind of movie mostly honestly because
3: of setting Mm-hmm. because of protagonist in that movie. Well, and I would also say just in terms of the way it was made. That, I mean, it was a pilot, too. and then it's turned into a movie. But, it had sort of was retrofitted into a feature for all intents and purposes. To, so that's... You know, to me, that. the, the hallmark of a Lynch movie is
2: is um, average mundane situation
3: uh-huh. with
2: unusual Horror things ha- happening. You know, <laughs> be it straight, straight story, the unusual things happening happening to me is... The unbelievable generous generosity sure, sure, and kindness sure. of strangers. Blue yeah. Velvet is obviously something different, but yeah. um, you know Mulholland Drive, in its own way,
3: you know, speaks to me almost more as someone who lives in Hollywood yeah. than yeah. as uh, no. I mean, I, absolutely, and I think that you know, if I was made, if I was given the hard choice of saying one or the other, I would probably lean towards Blue Velvet just in terms of its the 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 fact that it was written as a feature. It was this this thing that he is its own animal as opposed to Mulholland drive, which sort of evolved into the thing that it is. Um, but I still, I love them both.
0: If, the, if there was one moment from a David Lynch movie that I would just, just gets me the most. I uh, mean, it's, it's Dean Stockwell. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Dean, st- it. Dean Stockwell, you know, lip syncing Roy Erbison in blue velvet. Yeah. is like one of the just absolute, like all time magic cinema moments yeah. period.
3: And then you have, the Mulholland Drive moment when the woman is singing, crying yeah. in Spanish. And then falls out. <laughs> and then falls over. I mean, so, yeah. There you go. That feels like a good place to start. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's tease that next week. We're going to have another guest. We have another guest. Um, another special guest. They're all special. Mm, Who are we kidding? Not
2: all of them. But wow. No, I'm kidding. They're all special. They're all I special in their own, own way. They're one? all
3: beautiful snowflakes. This, um, is a, this is a very special guest. This is a very special We're yes. having a, Stacey Traub is coming on next week. Uh, One of our uh, finest television writers. One of our finest television writers, uh, also Canadian, also from Toronto. Uh, And she is coming on, uh, and we're going to talk about the movie Dick Mm -hmm. next week. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, Michelle Williams, uh, a lot of kids in the hall. Um, And feels a little bit kind of appropriate right now? Incredibly in, More than any movie we've watched
0: so far. <laughs> Maybe the most sort of... Most resonant. Is that <laughs> Dan, resonant? Dan Hedaya from Cheers? As, indeed. As, as, Dan indeed, from as, as Tricky Nixon.
3: Dick himself. Dan Hedaya from Cheers. Yeah.
2: yeah. He played And uh,
0: Mulholland Drive. That's right. He's in Mulholland yeah. Drive as well. Nick Tortelli, this Carla's the, ex-husband. This is the one. I was going to say, oh, from Clueless. This is the girl.
2: Um, <laughs> yes, he was also in Clueless.
3: Uh, he... I don't want to say too much about this movie, um, because we will be doing it next week. I, but... Needless to say, I think Kenny and I both found it an interesting movie to watch in in the current uh, political very, climate that we are very. living in right now. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that I'd seen the whole thing through. Back I, in 99. I hadn't. I think it was a you know I was, a bits I and was pieces on HBO type movie. Very pleasantly surprised. As was I. <laughs> Just give you a little tease. Yeah, give you give you a little um, tease. But yes, yeah, so we're going to talk with Stacy uh, next week about Dick. Weirdly, it's a movie that the um, movie about I know they make that joke like six <laughs> times.
2: <laughs> Weirdly it's a movie that actually comes up a lot when you talk to people about yeah, this year. A lot of people I that we've that we've spoken to have wanted to come on and do this movie. So we just picked the best person of it's all. It's a the movie we that know. in
3: its moment certainly was not. I mean, I don't remember it being like a thing back in 99, but now I feel like first of all Stacey talked about how much she loved it and she's like I really want to come on and talk about the movie. It's like great, cool. She obviously loved it back then. I found that there's like a generational divide. I found that there's a bunch of people around uh, friends of my roommate who's 28, younger people. younger people, that this movie like was a was a real kind of like cluelessy kind of comedy for them back then, which I think is interesting as well.
2: So. I'm very surprised though that the boomers,
3: yes, didn't make this yes
2: a huge, huge hit. deal, yeah. Huh. yeah, because it's it's yeah. a boomer movie, absolutely. Um, Simon, have you seen it?
0: Yeah, in fact, I have a weird memory of it. I Both Phil and I, in 1999, worked at different video stores. Indeed. In Toronto, and I, I, I worked at this sort of artier video store, although we did have Dick, and I was a huge Kids in the Hall fan, and I put it on because, is Mark McKinney in it, too? I know Bruce McCullough is. Mark McKinney, is. Bruce McCullough, and Foley. Uh, and, and Foley. Oh, wow, okay, so... so Foley Ma- plays... Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Bruce McCullough's
3: fucking amazing.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I love the Kids in the Hall, and especially Bruce McCullough, and I put it on in the store, mainly for him, and... He actually occasionally rented at the store and oh, came wow. in while I was watching That's this so movie. Funny. And in just sort of like a quick moment of like embarrassed pa- panic, I like just make over yeah. to like turn it off so he wouldn't like see. But it was <laughs> it was obviously I porn I came on. Seeing, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing like on the TV up in the in the corner. Yeah. Bruce McCullough and then the door opening and Bruce McCullough walking in and I just couldn't take it. And I had to, had to rush over and press stop on the, on the DVD. So yeah, player. his wig
3: is outstanding. All right.
0: Let's yeah. not talk more about it. We're right. going to talk about it next week. It next come week. back for Dick,
2: please. Cause it's a, uh, it's a cool movie. <laughs> this was a straight story. Simon, thanks so much for doing this. Thank
0: you so much, guys. Guys, gonna subscribe. Gonna come it's
3: going to be great. We can come
2: back for ghost dog, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, or a movie you hate. Sure. That would be interesting too. Um, either, either one. That's so, one. Uh,
2: but um, subscribe, rate, review, yeah definitely review five Please stars review. all the way subscribe um and uh kenny we'll is kenny week. is all over twitter you can't
3: At just constantly, constantly tweeting
2: i'm only i'm only um responding to michael natalie <laughs> he's only responding to one person i'm only responding to, to one person michael we but appreciate doing we, wonders we for our, really appreciate uh, your, your listening
3: ship um uh, i'm on great. twitter pm iscov p-m-i-s-c-o-v-e uh also on uh, instagram and uh you know
2: whatever Simon, do you want to throw out your Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter,
0: uh, this underscore is underscore guy. That's my Instagram as (laughs) well. S-I-G-U-I. S-I-G-U-Y. I -I I don't know why I
2: thought I,
3: but... And and, uh, keep an eye out for for a new documentary from Simon. Yeah, Yeah. is there anything you want to...
0: I'm here shooting a new thing, but I can't really talk about it yet. So by the time you're podcasting like it's 2001 (laughs) or so, maybe maybe I'll I'll have something there. But but I would just... uh, before i go like to say hi yan
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: i hope you're listening He's um out. yeah thank we'll you for see listening. The we'll see we'll we'll talk we'll
2: to you think. next week later next week. Bye.